Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. There was some dog named Hal who popped up babies were his pal. So he went ahead and made a deal to stick. But he threatened judges three, a jury slapped old Hal's deep feet. So Hal's gonna be my dick, bigger bitch. So I'll go fuck you up. Yes, I'll go fuck you up. If you don't obey the dirty juice command, so I'll fuck you up. Yes, I'll go fuck you up. So you best be a rebeller while you can. Long ago, a rat named Glenn ride his comrades over again. But Zog gave him a bag full of Zog's box. A little you like wooden rock, pictures tickled and cocksuck. The colostomy bag's name is CNN. So fuck you up. Yes, I'll go fuck you up. If you don't obey the dirty juice command. So fuck you up. Yes, I'll go fuck you up. So you best be a rebeller while you can. I used to know a buff named Zipper, a doofus, scooby little pisser, who was going after mouth with lying right. A mom, that niggly molester, a pisser puts a possum chester. Not a single one of them was very bright. So I'll fuck you up. Yes, I'll go fuck you up. If you don't obey the dirty juice command. So I'll go fuck you up. Yes, I'll go fuck you up. So you best be a rebeller while you can. <laughs> if you're on the internet, Brian Real says, come, come. <laughs> Take away, take, take, you dumb, dumb. Sword Mamsers is the internet them winger Nazis are really crazy clowns. When will they learn they can't blow men's baggage down? Lord men's sensors, the internet all day. Even but the dentist's faggot ways. Sword men's are 
Someone says after you, the sword man's a show. Sword manzer. That's who it says after you. Sword manzer. If he does after who? Sword manzer. And then the after you. Sword manzer. If they try to do after who? Do do do. I'll be back. I'm looking at the uh, local news. They have old Glenna Wallace. She used to be a woman's liver. She used to be a big woman's liver. Now she is the. She's been for about oh the past twenty years. See, she was a teacher, English teacher at Crowder College. About oh shoot, it must have been forty years ago. In the last twenty years, she has uh, been the chief of the Eastern Shawnee Nation, and they reopened up Border Town over in Seneca. So I'll be thanked. Huh. Okay, just something, just something going on in Missouri. All right, let's see. Last song. Let me see. I guess I'll play. After listed Aryan man with an Armageddon plan, derails on railroad train. Wants to kill all the Jews and a lot of Wiggers too. He has a psycho Aryan on Wigger brain. Marching at a wife, he loved all his life. Four grandkids, they are so brave. Historians of car design, efficient dog lies, and putting dog Babylon in his grave. It was on any weekday night, when the Jews lie that day's light, he pissed on damn Kai claims. And the weird up with a shout, them stupid fucking louts that for Marty done hits that what he aims. Marching had a wife, he loved all his life. Poor grandkids, they are so brave. Destroying Zog caught his eye, and fishing off Zog wise, and putting Zog Babylon in his grave. It was on any weekday night when the pastor is at home talking to Christ's family tree. When along come dirty Jew and a zogling wigger or two, making days ass whooping necessary. Martin had a wife, he loved all his life. For grandkids, they are so brave. Destroying Zog caught his eye, and fishing off Zog wise, and putting Zog Babylon in his grave. I'm <laughs> 
Well, the asphalt hold his breath when they hear a pastor's death. They wonder why he don't fucking lie. It was dirty piss or possum and all of Satan's masters that want to take it down on the slide. Martin had a wife, me loved all his life. For grandkids, they are so brave. Destroying Zog caught his eye and reaching off Zog lies and putting Zog Babylon in his grave. <laughs> okay, well, I thought it was too early for locusts. It is, uh, it is just, it is just simply pouring outside. Here I am. Here I am in the seminary. As opposed to being under a tin roof at the hovel. Okay? So, <laughs> alrighty. Uh, greetings, Zogly, Wigger, and Mads, and outside the cross. Good news, Zog. Play here in the open air, Coast Coast Nuthouse. We call Zog Mad 130. But the show is always amazing. The Watson Township. Jump in my lap, you, cr- you cowardly little bastard. Jump in my lap, you cowardly little bastard. Yes, I know. You're just panting with anxiety here. This is not a happy pant here. This is this is a little bitty, I am scared, Daddy. Save me here from, well, he's sort of like a nigger. He doesn't like water on his neck here. Oh, what the heck? The rain's on my neck. He's looking for a place to hide underneath there. He's just looking for a place. Hide me, hide me. He doesn't like hearing the rain come outside here. Do you, you old bastard? You're trying to... Gonna try to leave. Yeah, he, he he made his way out. Then he made his way in. He can't make up his mind. He's a wear poopy dog. In any case, uh, my uh, poopy dog. He uh, he just left here because he's hearing through the window. You know, I mean the sound. Now, the sound of rain. Oh, what I did is I I tried to save. Well, I save about everything here. I'm a hoarder. Uh, I save oh. Oh, I save old plastic TV dinner things here, and I eat off of them, and I save old uh, Sonic cups here, and cut them down here, and I save old juice cartons here, and I use them for platters. Anyway, I had these here little 18-quart containers, and I use it to collect the rain which falls off of the roof of this house into the gutter, at least on one side of it. And what I was doing is I was getting out I was getting out these cinder blocks, getting out these cinder blocks and I made it I made a pretty well a uh oh about a let me see how long was it, it was about a you know, a four by eight four by eight little uh you know thing out of concrete blocks. I went ahead and took some of this here little very thin drop cloth and I used these buckets to put to put the water in, put the water in, in order to save it here. Now, April showers bring May flowers, but here in the Ozarks, it really rains more, usually in May. And then it stays in June, but July and August can be pretty dry until you get to September, when usually it will break, it will go ahead, the, the drought will break, 
oh, about the second week in September usually, you know, here in the Ozarks. So anyway, I was saving, I was saving this rain in the, you know, in this uh, sort of uh, artificial pond that I made, which was about, oh, four foot wide, oh, maybe three and a half foot wide, something like that, and, uh, oh, eight foot long, and I got a, just a, just a cheap $1 sheet of this plastic sheeting, and I laid it out, and then I uh, I was taking water from one place to another, and uh, hopefully it'll go ahead and save a bunch of it here. So anyway, I'm not, you know, this is just for my super garden I'm going to have here, down here at the, uh, at the uh, oh, at the uh, seminary, like I call it here. Anyway, uh, so puppy dog, he's uh, he's run off here. All right, folks, uh, what was I going to talk about? Uh, let's see, today is the 2nd of March. It is, what, 37 after the hour. I've been going off for about 10, 15 minutes or something like that here. Here behind the black plastic, beaner phone, you know, beaner phone microphones of the EIB network, very simple with some broadcasting. And... Uh, this is not the Flush Rimbo show. And let me see. I've, I've been pretty well looking uh, at what's going on in the bowel movement. Old uh, Linder, why he's trying to pay attention to what Greg Howard, you know, Greg Johnson is doing. By the way, somebody mentioned Greg Howard. Uh, Greg, Greg is going to have Linda come to see him, supposedly, later this year. Uh, it'll be summer up here, but it'll be winter down there. And supposedly, maybe Linda got the money to go see old poor old uh, Bruce Howard. And uh, folks, I, you know, I don't know how well it's going to end here, but uh, with poor old Bruce for here, I think it went better than his love affair with an electric fence. I, I'm hoping it'll end up better, really well. You know, uh, Bruce and, uh, and Bruce and Mary now. Mary was in on last night's show. I was going to supposedly invite Russ Walker to have a debate about Ephraim Scepter or whatever. Not really a debate. Let Russ go on and on and on. And Dewey Tucker had made a video, and he gave me permission. He gave me permission to put it on YouTube. You know, he has it on his own webpage, but he gave, you know, he gave me the MP4 code. And I went ahead and put it up on uh, YouTube, so you guys can go over to my, uh, well, I can go over to Martin Linstead and uh, download seven seven minutes to where Russ Walker really just puts the beat down the poor dumbass old Russ Walker. Uh, Russ is Russ is blustering. Russ is coming on. Uh, Russ Russ is sort of like well, in some cases like Brian Real and the rest, just got to go ahead and do the smash and grab. You know, the smash and grab, not of criminals, but of tards. They got to come in, you know, rub their tard sores upon, you know, leprous tard sores on everybody else been well off here. And, uh, heck, old Dewey issued him quite a beatdown. You know, uh, Russell was calling him a GD liar. And, uh, you know, heck, I mean, Dewey just pretty well just, Gave old Russ for quite the beatdown. So anyway, uh, Russ is celebrating tonight is Passover. Uh, I didn't 
You know, I didn't sacrifice any lambs or anything like that because Christ is the sacrifice for those of you who are real Christians. But tonight is Passover, and, uh, you know, it celebrates about what something happened, which happened about, oh, about 3,600 years ago, more or less. When, you know, here were the Israelites, they were living in eastern you know, in eastern Nile Delta, under the whips of the probably the Hyksos pharaohs, there was there was a Lower Egypt and Upper Egypt. Upper Egypt was was where the Nile comes down out of Africa. You know, it's, it's you know, the, the sixth cataract. Beyond the sixth cataract is where the Blue Nile and the White Nile join in what's called the Sudan, a Khartoum now. But then you had the sixth cataract. But anyway, Upper Egypt began at the first cataract right around Aswan. Have you ever heard of the Aswan High Dam? Well, they had Aswan Low Dam, and then they have Aswan High Dam, which was pretty well built. It's been around for about as long as I've been around, for about 50-some years. Under Nasser, the Soviets helped them build it. And uh, in case, uh, you know, they had an island called Elephantine. And this was at the first cataract. Now, what's a cataract? Well, it's where you have a big rapids here, and you have a sort of like a waterfall or something like that. But you, you can't bring boats up it because the water is going through these big old boulders. It's just going by so fast that you can't. You can't get by it here. So they had the first cataract, and the you know Egypt at Upper Egypt began there. And then you had Lower Egypt, which was the Delta. And supposedly around 3100 or so B.C., King Minas and some who are into dual seed line Christian identity say that it was uh, actually either King Sargon or one of his grandchildren who unified Upper and Lower Egypt. So you had Upper Egypt, which you know was just the Nile River going through going through, you know, for about a couple miles on either side, the Nile. And then you had the Delta, which had, was broke up into about seven, you know, about seven different uh, areas here. Alexander was on the Western Delta. So they had problems, the Egyptian kings and pharaohs had problems on the Western Delta with Libyans coming in and invading. And they had problems with well, the Hyksos invading during the second intermediate period. The history of ancient Egypt is divided into the Old Kingdom, the Middle Kingdom, and the Late Kingdom. And most of what we think about the great, you know, the great pharaohs was in the Late Kingdom. The pyramids was built in around the uh, Old Kingdom. And the Middle Kingdom was set up about the same time that Abraham lived, around 2000 B.C., under Amenoret. And Amenoret had been a vizier, and he pretty well put aside the pharaohs of the 11th dynasty and formed a new dynasty called the 12th dynasty. And Amenoret I was, well, he was pretty well a warrior king. Pretty well, the Middle Kingdom was a feudalism. But where the Pharaoh had reunited Upper and Lower Egypt under his particular power. 
And later on, his grandson or his great-grandson formed a, you know, just below the Delta, formed a, there was a big depression in the, uh, you know, which where the Nile used to flow. And he formed, he had someone called Joseph because, you know, the, uh, you know, the canal that was opened up was called the Wadi Joseph or something like that. So around 1800 or so B.C., Joseph lived. Joseph lived around 1800 or so B.C. Well, around that time, the 12th dynasty had, you know, sort of petered out about a couple hundred years after Joseph. You had these Amorite Canaanites called the Hyksos come in. The Hyksos came in. And pretty well, your new kingdom was you had the Theban kings rebel, or essentially revolt, against the Hyksos kings. You had three different dynasties of the Hyksos kings and three dynasties of the Theban kings. And the tail end of the 17th dynasty is you had, the fa- you had a father. He decided he was going to rebel against these invaders. They, they, they were called Hyksos kings. Sometimes they got them as shepherd kings, but they were essentially Asiatic foreign rulers. And so according to legend, uh, this Hyksos king was saying, hey, you're causing trouble. I can hear way up from Avaris, which was their capital. I can hear from Avaris, you idiots, you know, uh, bothering the hippopotamuses way down at Thebes, about three or 400 miles up the road, you know, up the river. Now, what happens the current went from south to north, but the winds went from north to south. So they had a perfect highway. They had a perfect highway in the Nile in that they would throw the sail and have, have the boat go with the current about one or two mile an hour. You know, they didn't get there up there fast, but they wouldn't get up there. You know, that was the nature of water power. They didn't have railroads. They had barges. And then if they wanted to get from north to south, what they would do is they would put out a sail, a big old square sail, have the wind blow them against the current. Now, not during flood time, but in any case, there was there was this king of Thebes, under a new god called Amun. And Amun was sort of like Yahweh. He uh you know, he wasn't supposed to be worshipped. you know, the, the the main Amun idol was not supposed to be worshipped by just anybody. Only the Pharaoh could come and see him. But pretty well the priesthood told this last king, you know, the next to last king of 17th dynasty, it's time to rebel. After 150 or so years, it's time to rebel against these Hyksos kings, these foreign invaders. It's time to reunite lower and upper Egypt. And what happens is that this particular king, he decided to declare war, but the Hyksos were too strong. The Hyksos were too powerful, and what they did is that they killed this king. May, you know, I mean, his, his mummy, he was involved, but his mummy stunk. 
because his brains were splattered all over the place. He had a son called Kamos. And Kamos continued the war to drive out the Hyksos, the foreign invaders, these Amorites. What they also call Hebrews, which meant, uh, you know, foreign, well, meant, uh, you know, bandits or something like that. In Kamos, something happened to him. Nobody really knows. I guess he got killed or ambushed, so they don't want to talk much about that. But he had a younger, he had a younger son called Amos, sort of like Moses. You know, uh, Ramses was essentially you know the son of Ra, Ra, Ra Ramses, the son of Ra. You know, so pretty well Moses was not all together. You know, like Amos and Kamos. So it's not altogether a uncommon Egyptian name. Maybe not as common as John or maybe as common as Timothy or something like that. So anyway, Amos drove out the Hyksos. He chased them, you know, he he, he raised and he destroyed everything he could find of Avaris, which was in the eastern delta, where the land of Goshen was as well where the Israelites were. And so they they formed a new dynasty called the 18th dynasty, and you had all these people, but most of the thir- third, and a lot of people say that, uh, you know, based upon what they say, the Exodus occurred 480 years before Solomon. Solomon built his temple, so they come up with 1451. Well, guess the problem is, is that most of the third, is known as the Napoleon of East, uh, of Egypt, ancient Egypt, and he tropped in quite a bit around you know around uh, the land of Canaan. I believe, I believe that the Exodus occurred sixteen hundred, you know, somewhere between sixteen hundred and fifteen twenty five, and I'm guessing around fifteen fifty. Somewhere around that time, somewhere around that time, the Hebrews, they rebelled against this pharaoh, and there was all these plagues of Egypt that didn't affect the Theban kings. It only affected their Hyksos kings. And so when the Thebans came, they decided that they were not going, they were not going to give credit Yahweh or the strange God, they were not going to give credit for kicking out the Hyksos because of a slave revolt. They're going to say they did it all by themselves. You see, if you're a pharaoh, and when it came time to write on your tomb, even if you got your ass whooped, you didn't say it, you know, so much about that. In fact, they didn't say exactly what happened to Paul Kamos. They didn't, they didn't dwell too much upon what happened to their father, Sue, Semri, or whatever his name was. But I believe I believe it occurred, and it did destroy, well, the uh, Hyksos king. And I believe that Joseph came in around the 12th, 12th dynasty when it came time to create this Lake Faroon, or Lake Moetus, or whatever, and that that particular that particular reclamation act lasted about two thousand years. 
let's let's look let's look about what history is really only about five thousand years old. Because the very first writing arose in Sumeria and then and then Egypt. About the same time, about three thousand BC, more or less. You don't have any history. In fact, you don't have much of any history, really, because writing was initially nothing more than a temple receipt of taxes paid. That's what it really was. And the very first writing wasn't an alphabet. But rather what it was, it was just simply, okay, someone has a house, someone paid an ox, someone paid a bushel of wheat or an omer of wheat or what, however they measured it, how much gold, how much silver. And then later on, they came up with big old, you know, maybe 30,000 characters. And today, the Chinese and the Japanese still have, with their particular writing, they have an entire different symbol for every single word in the Chinese language or the Japanese language. The alphabet came around 1200 or so B.C. But anyway... You know, looking at the Passover, I believe it occurred during the age of the Hyksos. I believe the Exodus did occur. But then again, that's me. There are idiots like Russ Walker who claim that Mary didn't take a 93-mile donkey trip because they don't want to believe that. So anyway, I wanted to definitely, since tonight is Passover, I wanted to pretty well have a shout-out, you know, you know, to the Passover, okay? So, okay. <laughs> Where is... <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, some of the tards are not in here tonight. Most walkers don't get reported. What, history is only 5,000 years old? Yes. Yes. History really is less than 5,000 years old. It didn't occur... It, you know, I mean, eventually... The very first, you know, about the very first writings is the story of Gilgamesh. And there's some belief that Gilgamesh is none other than Nimrod, a refamed giant. A refamed giant who was a mighty hunter. And he was a mighty hunter because he had stolen the garments of power. He got them from his father, Cush, who got them from Ham the Whigger. Supposedly, Ham the Whigger had three wives. He had a white wife who you know, gave birth to some of the white countries. And he had a little Tubal Kenite wife called Naama who gave birth to Canaan, the cursed little Jew boy. And, and he had a nigger wife that he kept aboard the ark. He found himself a Dravidian female and he was humping her aboard the ark. And according to some traditions, Three critters had sex aboard the ark, the dog, the raven, and Ham. And so there was a curse upon all of them. <laughs> For, you know, I mean, having sex aboard the ark. Yahweh didn't like that. Yahweh's first thought is, uh, hey, when you're taking this deal, the ark is not the love boat. So, in any case, <laughs> I mean, heck, I'm just a fount of CI lore, ain't I? Okay, let's see. Is a Wikipedia scholar. <laughs> Guess number 25. <laughs> well, it, it's good that you come here. Guess number 25. You hear the most fucked up shit you ever heard. Because, hey, where else can you 
you know, where else can you hear the most fucked up shit you ever heard? I mean, this is at least erudite fucked up shit. You wear this erudite fucked up shit. If you go to Rabbi Fink's, you can hear Talmudic fucked up shit. And oh, let me see, if you go to Eliars, you can you can have uh, you know uh, Atlantis fucked up shit, and you can hear about saber tooth meerkats, and you can hear about what's supposedly happened in 10,000 BC. Me, I'm just willing to speculate about what happened around 6,000 years or so ago. No really much earlier than that, although we will extend it 1,400 years for the Septuagint. So, okay. Uh, (laughs) I bet you do here. All righty. So, guest number 25. (laughs) They were good shows. Well, they were they were interesting shows. Speaking of which, well, let's just let's just take a short break. I'm gonna go. You know, I, I think I've talked enough about Passover. Easter is Easter is nothing more than just a screw you. Uh, supposedly after Ishtar, A.K.A. Semiramis, to where you screwed like Nick. You know, mink like the screw, you screwed like mink, uh, right around the time when uh, spring was appearing. Just a couple weeks, uh, Ishtar, Eastar, Eoster, the ancient Germans, uh, they had a goddess called Nerthius. And uh, all you talk, all these, when you hear about these tards, talk about Woden and Thor and all that here, Woden and Thor worship was really only about, it was God King worship course, but Woden lived around the second century AD. And he, he must put he went ahead and replaced Nerthius, who, if you are old gender bender or Swedish, uh, was a hermaphrodite. So heck, uh, that might be interesting for uh, Somali immigrants to Sweden. <laughs> or uh, uh, Andre the Nigger Angeline or anything like that. We are going to take just a few minute break and then we will talk about what goes with the bowel movement. I did want to bring up about Easter. Well, not Easter, but uh, Passover. And uh, I did want to talk about you know about that. So anyway, we're going to take a break and I'll be back in about three minutes. Hell victory. <laughs> okay.
1,065 comments. Julian Lee.
Clear blue sky on a warm summer day. Enemy balls, our boots will crash through the prison walls. The bulls who have locked them in. And you're in it for us. 
We're in it for you, and you're in it for us. Okay, that was the uh, Tulsa's Midtown Boot Boys. Uh, I downloaded that. Sometime uh, back in 1998 or 1999, when the Internet was relatively a young pup then, uh, you had a number of, uh, I think it was called a website called Odin's Rage, and it had a bunch of uh, these tracks here. And this was one of the better ones. Uh, I don't see too much of it. I see a number of uh, Midtown Boot Boys. This is somewhat... Rare, maybe I'll go ahead and put it up uh, for somebody to download it and listen to it. It was not, you know, it was not, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was not uh, oh, one of the more common ones, but I do remember hearing it. Uh, and this is somewhat true. Now, uh, I feel Rodney or O'Connor, I think he's going to have, quote, Aryan Nations, which means Morse Gillette. And uh, Rodney did have a telephone to get Gary Yarborough, one of the order men, out of prison after 30 years. And Zog Babylon did not keep its deal. They're trying to find some excuse. They didn't really mean what they say. They lie like crazy. You know, that's what Zog does. And the answer, the answer to when Zog lies here is that there's no really rule of law. So you're not bound by rule of law. You do whatever the hell you want to to regime criminals and their families. They don't have any, well, what happens to them is what happens to every criminal regime when it loses power. And people don't feel like dicking around and showing them any mercy. They just simply exterminate the lot of them here. That's what happened to the Romanovs. That's what happened to the Bourbons. You know, every single time, every single time you have a revolution, there is, you know, a whole bunch of fighting. Anyway, I'm, I'm looking at Andre the Nigger's yap here, and old Andre the Nigger has gone full-blown faggot, it seems like. And uh, I went ahead and ridiculed old Andre the Nigger angrily. I mean, shoot, look at old Andre the Nigger. The critter looks like a nigger. He looks like a high yellow. He's just... He's just messed up here. And you've got to point out that three years ago, Andre the Nigger was an open anti-racist activist, and he had this YouTube video, which he has taken down, about him going through the Philippines with his jailbait Filipino girlfriend. And I was looking, and uh, yes, a mall looks a lot, you know, looks much the same, but this was rather a sterile plastic-looking place here in the Philippines, and little Mitch, you know, Minnie Imelda was running around, yep, 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 I want that, I want that, and essentially here is old, here is old Andre the nigger. I mean, he's just, he's just simply being drugged by his, well, he's just drugged by his little nigger pecker around here with a little negrito uh, heifer here, a Filipino one, and jailbait, jailbait, well, hey, jailbait unless you're fucking it. I um, mean, Andre Angling, the sex tourist. And old Cody Martin is making a big deal about He said he couldn't really have a, he really couldn't have a sexual relationship except for, well, with she-boons. 
So here's old here is old Andre the Nigger. And all of a sudden he's talking faggotry here. And you have this, you know, camel nosed packy or Jew nosed packy who's going to ask the mouth of Bell Fink. And that's what you have. You have all these critters. And I don't know, I guess you got to be a mams or something like that to uh, follow them. I don't know what the hell the deal is, but I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at, I call it the daily, I call it the do- daily spermer is what I call it. Uh, <laughs> old, uh, old Kanye had come up with this, uh, you know, this about two faggots here dressed up in Nazi uniforms here. And they're saying, are you just glad to see me? You know, I'm part of the He-Man Woman Hating Club and all that sort of thing. Well. Fine, you're fine, but you got you got to laugh here. Oh, Andre the nigger is yapping about how I need the money, I need the money, I need the money. No, the Daily Spermer is another Zog false flag operation. So like stone punch, so like all the first stuff. I mean, hey, real, you know, there's two ways, there's two ways of financing. One is to sell wheat berries and colloidal silver and shit to, to old tards, to old survivalist tards who don't really know how to survive. They just want to buy, they just want, you know, yuppie survivalist, this James Dakins calls it. And the other is the Hal Turner financing. And in this small movement, most of the financing is Hal Turner financing. Sometimes it's rather cheap to win. The Southern Poverty Law Center gives old Gerald, old hybrid nigger O'Brien. You know, this sort of, you know, used to be a Catholic. He showed up. He supposedly claimed to be Butler's successor. He lives up around Cordell Lane. And they give him, Southern Poverty Law Center gives him 60 bucks, and then he, he uses it to buy little plastic Easter eggs, little plastic Easter eggs, and he, you know, he goes to Kinko's, and he prints up some racist hate flyers, he puts in little Easter eggs, and then that $60 brings up about, what, 666000 to combat hate. And, folks, that's what, you know, that's what the uh, bowel movement is for. It's pretty well on life support most of the time. Pretty much on life support. Then the rest of it, my color walls was have about real-life activism versus... Uh, you know, uh, internet activism, and Hollywood sort of thinks that he gets about, what, six or eight cars showing up the little signs, and nobody's really paying much attention to it, and that is accomplishing something, and the answer is no, it's not. I'd like to thank old Hunter Wallace for allowing my latest comments go through. About six months ago in October, uh, old Hunter Wallace tired some tard to pretty well censor me, and old uh, Jack Ellis, a.k.a. Jack... Ryan, a.k.a. I call him Wiley, hybrid nigger, was uh, talking about censoring me on site and all that sort of thing. So I, I got I got a lick in. But Javon do the nigger, he's yapping. You know, it sounds homoerotic, and the answer is it is. Now, I sort of felt a little bit sorry for Andre the nigger, because this here little little junior, Melda Marcos, was trying to carry him for what he wanted. Here's old Andre the nigger running through a plastic Filipino... Mall, essentially, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't have been surprised if she had a bunch of little fish hooks, you know, dug into his little pecker here. You know, old Andre, you know, his little, you know, his little Negrito tallywhacker. And essentially, she's pulling these old fish hooks, 
fish hooks, you know. She got him in her little fist here. She just pulled them around. Oh, Andre and the niggers just followed. Oh, yes, dear. No, dear. Three bags full of deer. Now, I, I really. Now, now, all women here have that. Have that. Oh, you know, they, they, do, they do know how to nag. They do know how to nag, and, you know, I mean, you, you love them, so you eventually give in. It just depends on how high your resistance is at any given time. Sometimes I get annoyed at rocks big time. But you, know, you get to where you get to where you are tied together, at least in this life, and so you go along with a lot of what goes on here. I mean, that's what happened to old Adam here. He got, he got pretty well tied in. He got pretty well tied in. He was telling he was telling Yahweh, this woman you gave to me. Well, okay, now this woman is altogether yours. You own it. You're responsible for it. Anyway, oh Andre the Nigger, he's he's come up with this sort of thing. You have old camel nose, so then Packy Shanks going in, and I'm looking at another card called Julian Lee. Now old Julian Lee is a weirdo. The character is a weirdo. He used to yap about how one shouldn't even have squirt, you know, when one was having sex, unless one was wanting to have a child. You should save. You should save your manly essence. So we used to laugh like crazy and drive him off the stumble when we were talking about what Julian Lee had in a mayonnaise jar in his, you know, in his refrigerator here. Maybe, maybe Andre in there can go come to Portland, Oregon, and come visit Julian Lee and raid that refrigerator of whatever is in, you know, whatever is in those minutes. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a freaking weirdo. Now, there's something wrong with these people. There's always something wrong with these people. And you've got to understand that. Now, old Codney is doing his best to Oh, make K Walk Sunshine. He got Hill coming to now I guess he's gonna have old Mo Gullet. Mo Gullet already has old Rabbi Eliar. So maybe I'll maybe I'll have some pointed remarks for old Codney. Now, Codney, if you are listening, remember this here. You don't want any CI dentist programs on your American Nationalist Network. The reason of it is is that I don't care who it is. Don't care who it is, you have one CI dentist on your show. Ninety to ninety-five percent of the other CI dentists will be out to get you now. We're we're a little more close than the nationals, okay? So anyway, uh, let's see here. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm looking at this here. So he bring him back here and marry them? Why does he need to marry him here? Okay, this show is a SPLC front morning. The Daily Spermer. <laughs> well, you, you, you got to allow TARDS. I mean, you don't have to allow TARDS. You could censor the TARDS. And then the TARDS would claim that you were trying to cover up something, and then they'd make, make more of a more of a shit fit that if you just simply let the TARDS run wild. You know, this is, 
this is a benevolent, benevolent dictatorship of the lumpen, zoggling, you know, zoggling warrior terrier. How's that? Okay. Well, that's good. Let's see here. <laughs> so, man, I don't know. He sounds to me like a packy. So, anyway, let's see. Yeah, Julian Lee, why all these white males are going to come by and do all this sort of thing here. Okay, Mormonism. And you have a whole bunch of characters. Now, what I like is there's this heifer called Denise over there, and she has her own little uh, she has her own little blog. And usually she makes sense here. And she would give, be, give, be given a hard time by the rest of the tards. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, this here. We're talking about expansion of the white race and have old Andre the nigger. Okay, Julian Lee goes on, takes so hipster females in the room, say a small coffee shop, measure all all over the board. One thinks she's a lesbian, green hair, but it's pretty. Okay. All right, I'm looking at these here. Okay. Well, old Julian Lee believes you can overcome lesbianism by brotherhood and crown your lesbianhood. The brotherhood. Let me go put that here. I mean, you gotta wonder if Julian Lee has he been so used to saving his purity of male essence so much that he actually believes in stupid shit? Okay. Well, Tom, if you want to call in, that would be nice here. I get I get Brian to call in too here. <laughs> Okay, you must eat it. This red pill is delicious. You must eat it. No, I don't have to eat it. There's a thousand comments. Oh, I... Actually, makes sense here. Okay, let's see what old cunt here is saying now. Alien Nations Radio. Well, well, well. I'm hoping someone's going to call in to save me. Save me. 
Okay, good. Call in, Long Island Brian. Anyway, I think I'm going to. Uh, no, he wanted me to. He wanted me to talk about uh, what all these uh, laws, all these laws uh, in Indiana and Arkansas, which are now being done away with, essentially allowing people to refuse service to faggots. And now they're whining, oh, no, you can't refuse. You can't refuse service to me. I get to see you. I get to force myself upon you. And that's what what these creatures want. They don't want equality. They want superiority. And they want to force it upon other people. Okay? Julian Lee, yep. Julian Lee. Let me see if I can put that in here. Okay. Julian Lee is a lying scumbag. I've I've had I've had him back when I was over oh, this is about five, six years ago. I was over in the chat room and I caught that line of scumbag saying I was a dog plant. Along with Mike the Kike, uh, Mikey Kike Duke's Calcac. Connor Cohen, a voice of retards. Okay? Let's see. Julian, Julian Lee. Uh, Julian Lee isn't a... Uh, isn't much of anything. He's just, he's just an old tard here who does astrology and pretends that he's into something else. WordPress.com. She used to write something. Now she just puts up videos. What do you do with a junkie? Say, well, I'm build uh, that number cards would like that. So I thought I'm going to take a break. And we will, uh, I'll wait for somebody to call in. We'll be back. Okay, yes, sir. Okay, Long Island Brian, right? Yep. Hey. Okay. You want a question about what's going on in Indiana and what's going on in Arkansas? Uh, this character, Asa Hutchinson, he used to be the Congress critter for Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and pretty much he was the senator from Walmart, the senator from J.B. Hunt, the senator from Don Tyson. Uh, he was just a Republican who really didn't have any any great convictions. Now he's the governor of Arkansas. He said he was going to sign this bill that the Arkansas came up about allowing 
allowing people essentially, if I'm a photographer or a cake decorator or something like that, why allow them to say, hey, I'm a devout Christian, I am not going to serve or cater especially to faith. And so the same thing occurred in Indiana. You know, and Indiana is a rather conservative state, really. Uh, it used to be the state which had the most plasmid above the, above the uh, Ohio River line. And Arkansas is supposedly a conservative state, too. And so they're going to pass. They're going, the legislature said, no, let's pass this sort of thing to where, guess what? You, you, can't, you can't have these homosexuals uh, essentially force people to serve them or force people to uh, cater to them for what is actually a chosen lifestyle. No, I mean, there's some people who say, well, I can't help you, he's a nigger. We all love all one another. Well, the answer is that only an, a mighty evil empire believes that. Uh, there used to be so-called legal equality, but now there is forced, I call it libertarian social democracy, to where they are forcing people to pretend that homosexuality or niggers or whatever are something that you have to accept or you are going to be in trouble. And they actually got, they're actually going after some Mississippian from, you know, somebody from old Mississippi, old Miss, who put a noose. He was from Georgia, and Eric Holder is going after him for, quote, terrorism because, oh, it's scaring the heck out of niggers here to put a statue, you know, to go ahead and put a noose around the statue of the first nigger student of old Miss. So what we have is we have a forced equality, but actually it's not equality. It's saying that white men are at the very bottom, and pretty well everybody other than white are on the top. And uh, anyway, you wanted to you wanted to ask me about what I thought about that, and what it is is pretty well the last gasps gasps of a mighty evil empire. Sooner or later, they are not going to, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to force that upon anybody here. Okay, you have Tom Bowie in. Let me let me go ahead and unmute him. All right. <clears throat> Hello, Tom. How you doing? Pretty good, sir. Okay. Well, pro- probably is um, getting near the. Um, last of this empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether you like him or not, but Aristotle once said, tolerance and apathy are the last virtues of a dying society. Actually, actually, Aristotle, I like him a lot better than I like Plato. Aristotle was actually a Democrat, and they killed off Socrates because his little spoiled, his little spoiled students, especially Alcibiades, was a traitor who betrayed Athens twice, and another one of his uh, fudge-packing buddies and pupils was uh, called uh, Critias, who ran, who ran what was called the Thirty, and what they. You know, they betrayed Athens as much as they could to the Spartans, and they actually murdered people, you know, who were 
the Democrat, you know, who were the Democratic uh, Party. And so you you would have for about, oh, about, a, about 80 years you'd had democracy, and then here's Socrates, his little, his little aristocratic buddies pretty well betrayed Athens, betrayed everything that Athens had stood for, and actually murdered some people. And Athens actually had a, uh, an amnesty, but they just got tired of Socrates' shit. So he was an old bastard, an ugly bastard, so he, uh, he didn't have much longer to live, so he pretty well goaded them into forcing him to drink poison. They, they probably would just prefer the old bastard head on out. We refused to do that. So I, I, you know, I didn't have too much respect for Socrates, and you end up having another rich, noble, gilded youth called Plato, and he wanted to be a playwright. Instead, he wrote about his leading man, a.k.a. Socrates. So ain't, ain't, ain't that crazy about Plato and his little idea about philosopher kings, uh, you'll end up having a bunch of little weenies who think that since they're so smart, you know, but they can't get rich on their own, that they ought to rule. So Aristotle was actually, Aristotle was actually a a return to, I guess you would say, middle class Athenian. Uh, values here. He was, of course, the uh, teacher of Alexander the Great, who was definitely an imperialist and acted acted, you know, acted as such. So. Yeah, it, even today the university professors think that intellectuals should rule the world, and of course that means them. Of course it means them. And then the answer is <laughs> If you're so freaking smart, why ain't you rich? You know what I mean? Right? Yep. They can't even they can't even rule their own purse here, it seems like. So you have all these cards who believe that I am really smart, I am really special. And that's what you end up having. You end up having quitters uh like the Pierce Tards. The Pierce Tards. Uh they're still mad at Hero Covington for saying, you know, saying the truth is that uh, hey, Pierce was essentially an intellectual who George Lincoln Lockwell brought in because, okay, I need somebody to appeal to the intellectuals. So we'll have Pierce hang around. Pierce hung around. And then George Lincoln Lockwell was murdered by uh, one of his uh, little quote followers who was probably a Mongol and Jew. And then here comes William Pierce. He sets up his own little, what you would call it, and it's not too successful, but he goes and he finds a farm relatively cheap, and he manages to keep it around. He's writing the Turner Diaries in 1979, and somebody reads it called Robert Matthews. And guess what? Robert Matthews, according to Katja Lane, who was David Lane's wife, said that, uh, hey, uh, you know, they gave $400,000 of ordered money to William Pierce, and the first thing he did is he bought he bought his uh, you know he bought his uh, quote farm slash compound, and all he did was run an Elohim city for Creator. And you have these characters who claim that since they're so smart, they have old Wiggerswell Williams, an obvious Zogbot, and then he has what Kevin Alfred Strom, who 
pled guilty to having child porn or something like that on his uh, hard drive, and you have these characters, they claim all sorts of things. Okay? Well, so uh, I worked yeah. at a uh, college, and pretty much I only met one of them that was worth a hill of beans, and he was oh, part-time. He was, was part-what? He was part-time. Oh, okay. Uh, he taught a uh, couple classes in the evening, but he taught it with an agenda. He had his uh, he had a company of his own. Mm-hmm. And um, he taught the uh, class uh, three nights a week for a couple hours. And what he was looking for was future employees. Okay. Um, Basically, the uh, tests he was um, giving them wasn't necessarily the ones they needed to pass. The real test was, you know, this student isn't too dumb. I'll hire them. <laughs> oh, okay. So what he was doing is that he was he was skimming he was skimming pretty well the best of the lot. You know, who were taking that course, I guess, to probably learn that. So I guess they didn't do too bad either by being hired by him, now did they? Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? Uh pretty well somebody found out about the conflict of interest and booted his ass out or something? Yeah, but it was, uh, eventually it came to light that was what he was doing, and uh, they got rid of him, because they didn't like him particularly anyway. He was a little too conservative for their taste. Well, you have, you have all these, pretty well, Missouri Southern State College was one of the main colleges which uh, they would hire. Uh, Walmart store managers, you know, and uh, you know, no, it, it was. Uh, you would have these particular. That, that's what gets me is Northwest Arkansas had, you know, I think Walmart is the biggest is the biggest company in the world or in America right now. It used to be what GM, and then it was Sears, and then it's and it's Walmart. And GM and Sears are not in very good shape, are they? But then again, maybe Walmart ain't too good shape either. But uh, they used to, they used to uh, have a whole bunch of stores, and uh, the Neosha store is number seventeen. But uh, this character sounds like he knew what he was doing, and the rest of them didn't. So maybe it was not only a matter of conservative or po- politics; it was a matter of, I guess, envy, maybe, because here's this character who is teaching, really. I mean, what what is the purpose of going to college anyway? The, the whole the whole notion is that where they will earn more money, uh, essentially working for somebody else. And you you really don't get rich working for somebody else, do you? I mean, you know, in Walmart you used to if you became a store manager, uh, you would get what one percent of the uh, of the profits. So hey, you know, you're you're coming through about oh. Millions of dollars, you know, millions of dollars going through through the store, and you get a portion of the profits. Well, hey, yeah, you become a Walmart store manager. You're going to retire as a millionaire or a sort of multimillionaire. But you know, it, it, they, they 
the management earned far more than the what minimum wage, you know, store greeter or store stalker or something like that. And when Walmart first came out, they weren't as bad as what they are now. Uh, pretty well, Sam Walton died, and then he had as his first CEO, you know, a Jew named Glass. So, but so anyway, this uh, this one this one what, what was that what was that uh, teacher teaching anyway? Uh, he was teaching computer science. They had a computer store then. Um. No, he uh, developed software. Okay. For uh, special applications. Yeah. Uh, if you had the money, he could produce whatever type of software you wanted. Okay. So he was he was essentially looking for the cream of the crop to hire to hire to act as coders or something like that for his work here. Well, I can see, I can feel probably what he should have done is he should have just hired one or two of the students and then see if he couldn't have had hired them, you know, hired them to teach the class and steer them to his company you know, corporation or something. You know what I mean? Well, um, oddly enough, there may be a few of his uh, employees who've uh, taught at that college since uh, his departure. <laughs> who, who taught at who taught the college you know, since his departure? Yeah, a few of his students may have uh, taught that class since his departure. Okay. Well, so he lives on. Is, is the guy still alive, or is he just is he still working his company, or what? I don't know. It's been uh, about twelve years since I've uh, heard any word from him. But he he didn't ha he didn't do advertising in the traditional sense because uh, he dealt with uh, companies that could afford to pay. Yeah. Well, generally, you know, if you're not selling toothpaste for everybody who has teeth or shampoo or dog food or something like that, if you're selling essentially a professional service. Well, no, you don't need to advertise at all. You know, if you do advertise, you're going to advertise in a particular trade magazine or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, in any case, so how are you doing, Tom? I'll just, uh, I'm, I'm glad you called in. Oh, fairly well. Okay. I'm glad to see the uh, her, uh, tornado didn't get you. Well, you had a whole bunch. You had a whole bunch of thunderstorms come through, and what I did, what I did is I saved a number of things, including rainwater, including rainwater. And what I will do is, oh, I don't take my well. I have been known. I've been known to run out when it's dark, you know, with just you know, just uh, my you know, my uh, you know, my skimpies here and. You'll take a cold water rain shower. Now, if you're if you're washing your hair underneath the roof, underneath the roof, even though it's sort of cold, uh, you know, your hair will be very fluffy. Your hair will be very fluffy because it's not, you know, it's not the hard water which comes out, you know, between the limestone rock which Granby has. It's not city water, but you're washing in soft water, very soft water. So hey, uh, 
you know, if you don't mind the cold shower. And I, I have been known, I've been known to run out in my skimpies here, you know, after dark, of course. And hey, just uh, do a well. Sometimes I'm sort of warm blooded. I sort of like, you know, I sort of like a original shower. How's that? You know what I mean? Well, no, not the. Uh... <laughs> in the summertime, I've been known to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> So and uh, I got barrels to catch my water too. Yeah, I have. I have down at the Hubble. I have uh, three of these, you know, galvanized stock tanks. But what I what I did tonight was I I pretty well got these. I got about three hundred of these concrete blocks that I bought for oh about a dollar a piece. When it comes down to, it. I got a, I got a pretty good deal off of them. About oh twenty percent off of them. So. Essentially, they're about a dollar a piece. So I got about 300 of them, and I'm going to you know, do that. So anyway, what I did is I made a little quick cistern. I went ahead and stacked them about, oh, four feet wide, you know, three three across, and then about eight long. And then I got, uh, you know, these are little uh, uh, very thin plastic drop claws, you know, drop claws here. So essentially, they're you know the water can't get through it here, but they're real easy to tear. So what I did is I just uh, took from uh, underneath the uh, underneath the uh, eave, I went ahead and took out uh, oh I took out the uh, oh I took out the uh, these here little uh, plastic buckets you know these plastic containers here. And pretty well, I filled up to about, oh, this was about two feet, you know, this four by eight, you know, with this drop cloth on it here. So I saved that here, and uh, pretty well today I also did the I did the, uh, well, I did the laundry. I I pretty well saved my, uh, I pretty well saved my, uh, pretty well saved the water. I, I like running it, I like using it at least twice here. So I have the bath water. You know, inside here, it's hard water, but I use that to, uh, I do that to wash the clothes. And then I rinse the clothes, I rinse the clothes in the uh, rainwater, you know, that's saving buckets. So that's what I did, and it looks like I probably filled all the buckets again. So you know, that's what I'm going to do. And I may buy, rather than mess with buckets, I may just buy me one of these here little electric pumps, you know, that you use for uh, for bass boats or bilge pump of bass boats, and essentially just, you know, I'll have a bunch of these here little quick, you know, quickie cisterns here, you know, because they're cheaper than uh, they're cheaper than buying these stock tanks. Oh, plenty of water for my, well, my asparagus, my potatoes, my tomatoes, my green beans, what have you. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I, you know, that's what I like to do here. In, uh, in the uh, town here, they put chlorine in the water. Yeah. And well, I can't water. Any of the garden with that stuff, it'll kill it. Okay. Um, so where do you get the where does you get the water? Do you get from the Potomac, which supposedly is a big old sewer, or what? No rain. Okay. Does they have a reservoir where you're at, where it stores it then, or what? Um. Yeah, the town does. Yeah. Okay. It has a it has a water supply reservoir. Uh, really around what Virginia or Maryland? Uh, that's back east, and it's not like well, Missouri. Missouri has a good deal of water too, but you get out to say 
South Dakota or Kansas or something like that, you, you every every 50 miles you get about oh five inches less of rain. And around the what was called the hundredth meridian is called the Great American Desert. Now it really wasn't, but you could tell that supposedly the rain would get you know less and less and less and less the further west you you went. I think California is pretty bad as well here. They don't have hardly any, you know, they say they didn't have any snowfall. They only had one twentieth of what they had for snowfall this past year. And, well, Governor Moonbeam, Jerry Brown, is running around and telling people they can't have lawns, which makes sense here. I don't know why, you know, I don't know why this grow grass in the case here. But. Yeah, um, Maryland is kind of, uh, well, the part of Maryland I'm in is kind of strange. During the uh, summertime, at its hottest, you'll experience spells for two weeks where there's no rain whatsoever. Okay. So um, I have enough um, of a water system to um, save up for a little more than two weeks at a time. Well, I've saved up. I've saved up. Last year, I was down to about ten gallons. But I saved up uh, pretty well enough water to water everything, to where I didn't have to use any city water to rain any, you know, raise anything. And up here, what I'm doing is I'm making these here little quickie cisterns by just simply arranging some cinder blocks, you know, four by eight, and pretty well saving about oh a couple hundred gallons. You know, with these just little big drop claws. You hear what I'm saying? So pretty well, it's not necessary to save it now. It's just useful to save it now. And uh, April, it'll rain. May, it'll rain. But June and July and August, it will be sort of iffy. You know what I mean? In 2012, it was, it was very, 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 very dry. It was one of the drier years. Altogether, you had an actual drought here in southwest Missouri. But I like I like saving the water. I like saving them things here. In any case, uh, so you have a you have quite a garden, or you grow, or you know you grow uh, vegetables, or you have a truck garden, or what? Well, I grow some vegetables. I don't necessarily have the space, but I'm real innovative. Mm-hmm. Um. I took a four-inch C PVC pipe and cut it into one-foot-long sections, okay. and then dug it in around the uh, fence line. And I grow pole beans out of them. Oh, okay. And what you do is you water it with the PVC pipe. Then. Well, no, the, the uh, plants are in it. It's like a hu- a very uh, deep, bottomless water pot. Okay. Uh, flower pot, rather. Oh, and okay. uh, I just put a little water in every day from a watering can. Oh, righty. And so the beans, they grow out of the pipe here, uh, up along the fence here, and they they grow from there then, right? Yeah. Well, sounds good. <laughs> so since I don't have much space, I uh, maximize the little bit I do. Well, that sounds, that sounds good. Uh, generally, the further west you go, you have more and more land, but you have less and less water 
to grow it all in. Now, they think California, they pumped out a good deal of groundwater, and they've done the same thing with the Ogallala uh, Aquifer, which was extended all the way from, what, Texas all the way up to South Dakota. And they say that they've really, you know, really gone through it quite a bit here. Uh, there's, There's not very much intelligent anything going on here in the Zogland. A lot of people they're whining they're they're whining about oh no things are very bad for white people and all that. Well, a lot of the bitchers like Andre the Nigger Angeline and uh, Savant Packy Shanks and much of these other tars they're not white in any case. They pretend to be white, but generally, as I look at it, uh, and as I look at it, as you have fewer and fewer and fewer white people able to run things, and you have more and more non-whites and the rest here, you will end up having inevitably a third world society. Yeah. Sooner or later, sooner or later, Wiggers will, you know, the, the Wiggers that remain won't be able to maintain it, no matter if they want to or not. So as a result, you are going to see the breakdown of Zog Babylon. Uh, you know, there is no, there is no, uh, you know, I've seen some of the tards here. Uh, they're worried about the, quote, breakdown legitimacy. Uh, let's see, about a, what, a couple of days ago, you end up having that nigger, nigger, Eric Holder. He is charging someone with a hate crime for putting, for putting a rope around the statue of this nigger in uh, Mississippi, or this Mississippi uh, college or something like that. And... Uh, you know, shoot, this is not an imminent terroristic threat here. I mean, what's going to happen to that nigger statue here because it has a rope around its neck or its bronze neck or whatever? Answer, nothing. But you you end up having, I think white people being told is that they are, you know, that they are definitely third or fourth or fifth, very much last place here. And you end up having whining about Ferguson and the niggers just being dangerous. And how long is that going to last here? How long is it going to last, you know, when people decide they just had enough here? So you have in the movement all these people talking about, well, we ought to do this, we ought to do that, we ought to have real-life activism, we ought to have Internet activism. And generally I'm of the opinion that maybe – Maybe the only reason for activism is to stir up hatred against Zog, to stir up hatred against, you know, you know, point out to people is that, hey, you have a mighty evil empire that wasn't even able to whip these Iraqis or these Afghanistanis or, any, or these Vietnamese or anybody else. And when people decide they're not going to be ruled by these people, how long is that? How long is that? Uh, well, regime going to last here? I, I believe. I believe that sooner or later there's not going to be a choice but to well, essentially just kick yourself clear of whatever goes on wherever here. Now you live you live close to where the supposed nation's capital is, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear yeah. very many people talking like somebody who lives in you know in the middle of the country? Well, more and more as time goes on, 
that I'm looking to uh, see get very uh, fed up with the system are what I would call a type of management class. Um, Not necessarily that they're in management, but they're actually the ones that get the work done. They manage, um, well, they're, they're the ones at the local store that if they don't show up to work for one day, well, the um, out-of-code products stay on the shelf. Nothing uh, new gets put on the shelf. Anything that's done is in a half-baked manner. The things that, the ones that actually uh, do the work. The ones who actually run things. Yeah. And then get the other, get the other drones to actually go through the motions of doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know that here. My second son-in-law, he was wondering why he was fired. He was uh, fired or laid off when nobody else was here. I said, well, the problem of it is, is it takes far more money to try to get somebody to get you to work than what little you do pays off. That's why that's why you're the one who's been laid off. You know, that wasn't a very nice thing to say, but it's true here. You have some of these people who, you know, their marginal their marginal utility is rather low. They don't really accomplish very much. They're, you can get a little bit out of them here, but it's, it's sort of a closer on thing whether or not you're going to get out from them what you put in in terms of wages and having him as an employee. So, yeah, there there is. There are certain there are certain people. They're the ones who actually run things. They're the ones who actually get things done, and they're the employee to where you need them. You really need them, but you don't want to go ahead and pay him what he's worth here because well, you you need him and you know to give you several multiples of what he was actually worth to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And these people just simply say, "Why do I? Why? Why am I really running things? Why am I even keeping things going? Why do I? You know, why am I doing? You know, why am I doing this or why am I doing that?" So you 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 see a bunch of these people who uh, essentially act that way then, or you know, you're wondering that. Um, it's starting to wonder if, if not all. Along the lines of where I'd like them to wander, they're at least uh, beginning to um, see cracks in the system. Yeah. Um, one that's fairly common among these people, because even if they're uh, they've been trained not to touch the essential inch issue of race, and they still haven't uh, worked up the nerve to do that. Um, the Federal Reserve Bank. <laughs> They're starting to figure out what a con that is. Well, all all it's doing, all all the Federal Reserve has done, is just simply you have at least six to eight times as much money as you, you know, or currency as you did, you know, during the height of two thousand, you know, during the height of the meltdown or partial meltdown in 2008. The thing about it is, though, it's just sitting, it's just sitting as numbers 
lying on a, quote, vault that hasn't really got into circulation. If it gets into circulation, you'll end up having hyperinflation. But, you know, the, the question of it is, is nobody's making any money from their, quote, deposits here. Well, folks, these banks do not make money from the deposits. They make money, you know, the banks make money from making loans again and again and again and again to where, you know, shit, they only have 10% of the loans they have out. So what they're essentially doing is that a dollar of debt sells, you know, sells the same thing as a dollar of, quote, capital. And it looks the same. You know, what is, what is the difference between money, which is actually earned and retained, or currency that is actually earned and retained through saving, through hard work, and something which is just merely created by a Jew banker by loaning it out again and again and again and again through users? Essentially, banks act like a counterfeit, you know, as, as a counterfeiting system. So the question is, is who gets to run these, quote, banks? And it's always been Jews who got to have the special, the special privilege because they can't farm and nobody likes them. And, you know, the Jews have acted like tax collectors and they have acted like bankers. And they have been allowed to do so to where you have a system called, quote, capitalism. It isn't where the ones who produce it get the benefit of producing. It's the ones who own, quote, capital, i.e., currency, however derived. In many cases, it's just derived by them simply creating debt and then claiming that for all this debt that they've created, that this currency that they print is tied to this debt which they create. So essentially, they've got people coming and going. You know, these banks, you have these idiots, you know, that, that train these people. But what happens is that we have to have a Federal Reserve in order to prevent a run upon the bank. Well, sometimes if there's a crisis in confidence and you end up having the, quote, bank, the banks, they have lended, lent out at least 10 to 1, more like 20 to 1. Yeah, occasionally there will be panics. Well, that's what that's what a depression was. You know, first they called it a panic, then they called it a depression, then they called it a recession. Now they call it a what? Economic turndown. That's pretty yeah. much the same thing to where essentially people lose confidence in the ability of these crooked Jews and the Whiggers who run with them to actually manage an economy. Uh, I, I sort of think that, oh, you ought to have sort of like the bank in North Dakota where you have an actual state government, which has an actual state bank. And the whole idea is to, well, promote growth, promote actual growth by, you know, by leaving the money or leaving the, leaving the growth within the confines of an elected government like, say, in North Dakota. And I ain't saying these North Dakotas are super smart or anything like that, but they at least have a little bit more sense than just simply letting Jews run wild. Okay? Well, but banking is more of a scam than most people know. Well, it's nothing but a scam. What, the, what they're doing 
is they're not loaning out real gold and real silver. They're just, you know, loaning out a deposit, you know, uh, receipts here. I mean, bank notes is just nothing more than a receipt for what somebody left on deposit. Oh, actually, they can do more than that. Oh, yeah, they have done more than that. They're actually, by creating debt instruments here, these debt instruments, which are, quote, currency upon a debt instrument that they create, they're actually counterfeiting is what they're doing. Yeah, uh, a, a sort of counterfeiting where they don't even have to run the presses, the print yeah. presses. Not anymore. They just say, okay, here's, you know, here's what, oh, a billion, million? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, we we're we're putting it on our little we're putting the clicking a function on a function key. So as a result, none of this stuff has any validation with what people actually have to create or produce here. You have that quote capital system to where the ones who own the capital are essentially these Jews who didn't create anything at all, and there's nothing there's nothing behind. There's nothing behind backing up other than whether or not people have confidence that these, quote, debt instruments or this currency will retain any value. It says it right on it, full faith and credit. Full faith and credit. (laughs) Whether or not you have faith, you know, is about how much you're going to credit it. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> that's what that's that's not that's exactly what it boils down to. So they, I, I got a laugh to where both the Indians, the Indians don't like Andrew Jackson uh, for kicking them out of Georgia, North Carolina, and places like that, and shipping them all the way to you know, around the Trail of Tears to Oklahoma. And every so often they have a bunch of casinos, and I was looking at this old heifer named Glenna Wallace. And uh, she was an English teacher over at Crowder College. And for the last 20 years, she has been the chairwoman of the uh, Eastern Shawnee tribe. And what they did is they had a casino, which they called Border Town. Then they closed it. They built a big old casino called Indiglo. And then they closed it. Now what happens is today they reopened up Border Town. You know, uh, Seneca... Most of Seneca is on the Missouri side, and the Missouri side don't allow the so-called Eastern Shawnee tribe to run casinos on the Missouri side. But uh, about a quarter of a mile on the Oklahoma side, there's Seneca, Oklahoma, and they had they had a uh, you know I think it's one of the first casinos. And it got huge. It, it, it started out as just a bingo place, and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, over the last 20 years. So now she is a, she is the, uh, what, the uh, chairwoman or, you know, head chief or something of the Eastern Shawnee tribe. And she was appearing here, and she used to be fairly cute here, old Glenna did here. She was a woman's liber. She used to be a woman's liber. And there used to be all sorts of scurrilous pictures of her, you know, in the men's bathroom over at Crowder College here. Now she's an old heifer here. But uh, anyway, she, uh, she centered, she centered in, say, Ottawa County, uh, Oklahoma, and that's where supposedly old John Britton's, uh, you know, the Newman Britton, the rest of them here, that's supposedly where their grandfather came from, uh, is uh, 
Ottawa County, which is, oh, 30 miles away from me, right right where I'm at. Anyway, just, just, just looking at what I've seen on the, uh, on the uh, on thing. But they don't like Andrew Jackson here. And Andrew Jackson, i, I got to be surprised Andrew Jackson's on $20 bail because Andrew Jackson finished off the second bank of the United States and this here little Jew Rothschild uh, agent called Nicholas Biddle, he deliberately he deliberately created a quote panic of eighteen thirty seven. It was a year after Andrew Jackson left. He finished off the the Bank of the United States charter was supposed to be renewed in eighteen thirty six and Andrew Jackson said, I'm gonna yeah, Jackson, I'm gonna kill the monster. I'm gonna kill this bank. I'm gonna pay off every single debt. Uh, he was not crazy about George Washington. He, he, he certainly loathed Alexander Hamilton. You know, and there was this here little, uh, you know, greedy old bastard named Aaron Burr who went in and shot, you know, the Jew boy. You know, shot the half Jew boy, you know, Alexander Hamilton, which, you know, I mean, it makes me feel better about old Aaron Burr here. I mean, he went in and shot Alexander Hamilton. He's on the $10 bill. But Andrew Jackson closed the Second Bank of the United States. And one of the questions when they were ratifying the Constitution, they'd say a dang thing about having a first national bank in the United States. It was altogether something that George Washington and the rest of the Federalists wanted to have. And George Marshall, he helped the bank, the first bank of the United States, because... Oh, when Thomas Jefferson was trying to close it down, why, in Marbury, let me see, uh, not Marbury versus Madison, but uh, McCullough versus Maryland. The state of Maryland decided, hey, we don't need this First Bank of the United States. We are going to tax this bank. And uh, the, you know, the uh, Federalist, the old bastard Federalist, George Marshall, said the power to tax involves the power to destroy. That was honest. They saved the first bank in the United States by preventing the state of Maryland from taxing its banknote paper. You know, getting a you know, getting a portion of the little banknotes coming in. You know, you've heard of that case, haven't you? Uh McCullough versus Maryland. It's a fairly famous uh, case. Only uh vaguely. <laughs> okay. Well, you you have uh George Marshall. He was one of the quote people who went, the people who went uh, from Virginia. You know, Patrick Henry said he smelled a rat, and you had the biggest debate between the quote anti-federalists and the federalists. Patrick Henry says, "Why are you calling yourself federalists? We're the real federalists. We're the ones who want a confederated bunch of states where the states rule supreme. You are the ones who are really you ought to be called you know consolidationists is what you ought to be called." But they called themselves the Federalists, and John Marshall was a Federalist, and he lied like a dog about what the Constitution would do. Patrick Henry says, hey, it takes away the power of the militia from your local communities, from your counties, from your townships, and puts them into the hands of the federal government, supposedly under the rule of the states here. The states of the militia have been done away with. Uh, you know, much of the sort which had been, you know, instrumental in having the war, the Revolutionary War. 
But George Marshall lied like a dog about what this Constitution would mean. Patrick Henry and George Mason said, hey, this is what the Constitution is going to do. And uh, you end up having these characters who lie here. There's a, there's a lying piece of shit called Red Mike Vanderbilt. And uh, he used to, he's a Southern Poverty Law Center militia general. So in case you, you go and you, you go ahead and look here. When I, when I had this, uh, I came up through the militia movement. I had a Internet newsletter called, the, uh, called uh, what, Modern Militiamen. And about every issue, I would trash out the constipation about how it was a fraud, about how it was a lie, about how it was a trick, about how it was essentially no good. And George Marshall, he was a Federalist, and he lied like a dog, and then he became the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. He was related to Thomas Jefferson, as was this George Randolph. And from my there, all three cousins couldn't stand each other. But uh, in case, uh, George Marshall was uh, Chief Justice, and he pretty well came up in Marbury versus Madison to where he claimed that as a Supreme Court, he got to decide the constitutionality of whatever statute Congress said, and there was no such thing in the Constitution. He made it up. But when it came to when it came down to in 1832, 1834, something like that, you know, he said, "Well, you can't drive the Indians from their land here." And you know, Andrew Jackson said, "Well, okay, George Marshall has made has made his decision. Now let him enforce it." I mean, Andrew Jackson pretty well did what Andrew Jackson wanted to do, and things are no different now. You you heard about a couple you heard about a couple uh, days ago her old Swillery Clinton. She has her own private server to where she's not going to account for what she did at Benghazi or Secretary of State or anything. Yeah. Yeah. That bitch has gone ahead and wiped clean her little private server that she's not supposed to have. So she has violated a law to where if you even think you're likely to have something, you wipe it up, you have a three-year term of imprisonment, and you cannot hold an office you know, under, you know, under the federal government, which means president. What they ought to do is they ought to... Nope, apparently there's slight technical uh, difficulty. I'm sure our host will be calling back in shortly. But the uh, strange little goings-on in Washington don't surprise me for uh, some reason. It, uh, any of it would have been a cause for a, um, a leader to be uh, lynched some time ago in history, but now it's so uh, common that it hardly is worth uh, reporting, even on Fox News. All the uh, news that's, well, not fit to uh, view. 
I, I don't even ha- keep up with half of it anymore. The liberals are much more entertaining, however, than uh, Fox News. They say things with a straight face that uh, your average comedian wouldn't touch. Getting away with it is something they do well. Maybe that's why they need so many non-whites. They don't complain about it. They're quite used to the corruption. That's the way things should be run. You don't have a uh, (laughs) decent government unless it's corrupt. (laughs) Ah, I see you're back. I'm back. Uh, It got real quiet. got real quiet. I was wondering what the hell happened. I looked and, oh, no. The Beatles song died after an hour and a half. <laughs> same thing happened. The same thing happened to Brian and Law, you know, in Long Island. But I'm glad that he uh, he got you to call in. Let's talk about lawlessness. If Hillary Clinton doesn't have to obey the law, especially even a law that she voted in as senator, to prevent what she's just done, i.e., covering her covering her tracks, and the law says that she is. She is to be jailed for three years, up to three years, but more importantly, cannot serve as a government, you know, federal government officer. Well, hey, Black Letter Law says this: How come Hillary? How come Hillary has any chance of doing, you know, essentially doing what she planned to do when she set up that server? Now you have no idea. Uh, you you hear all the time about how these healthcare companies lost 80 million accounts here to where hackers, be it in China, be it in Zogland, be it in Russia somewhere, are able to access their customers' private information there. How do you know that the uh, chinks haven't essentially got in through a back door and slurped up everything that old Hillary, you know, Hillary Clinton had on her server anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Essentially, see, Hillary views views as her enemies, not the Chinese, but rather the American people. And you got to wonder if she's not, if she's going to violate this law that she helped pass. Sour Baines Oxley, who was part of the supposed partial cleanup of Wall Street, you know, when Obongo made her Secretary of State. If she can't even obey this law that she voted for as a senator, then hey, why in the world? Why in the world should she be allowed to be in a position of power or authority? Essentially, she doesn't have any moral right to be over anyone. The more point she's viewing, she's viewing pretty well Americans as a bigger enemy than she viewed the Chinese of being an enemy or what? You know, Muslims or Russians or whatever. She's viewing, she's viewing the white man as being a bigger enemy than uh, the chinks are. She doesn't have to obey any law. She gets to do whatever she wants to. So the question of it is, if you don't have really rule of law, Whoever's in power gets to do whatever they want. Seems to me 
But that is a recipe for civil war. Well, there's there's been quite a few jokes about her. And one of them uh, struck me as having quite a bit of truth in it. Which was uh, Hillary Clinton died. And uh, she strode right through the gates without a by your leave. Marched right up to God's palaces, palace, strode in, pointed at God. You, you're in my chair. Get out. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> too bad. Ain't too bad. This shows how arrogant she was. I remember this was way back in 1998. Old Bill Clinton, he just got in a little jogging track to take care of what a big fat you know tardy was. And old Bill Clinton, he's running, he's running through the snow on this you know outside track here. And he sees it written in piss. He sees death to the president. And he says, he says, oh, he says, find out who wrote death to the president. You know, pissing. You know, in you know, making yellow snow. Who wrote? Who pissed death to the president? So the Secret Service they come in a week later or so. They say, Mr. President, we have some bad news. And we have some worse news. He says, give me the bad news first. He says, well, we've got DNA tests, and the urine, the urine belongs to Al Gore. He says, oh, that no good son of a bitch. Why? You know, he ran against me, and then I made him vice president here. That ungrateful son of a bitch here. You know, he's cussing them out, and he thinks, like, well, what's the worst news? Well, Mr. President, while the, while the urine may belong to Al Gore, the handwriting is Hillary's. <laughs> Did you ever hear that one? No, but that's a good one, too. <laughs> <laughs> handwriting is Hillary's. <laughs> Hillary, Hillary, you know, you know, Hillary grabbed the pen just right here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, in any case, uh, let's see. I'm looking. I'm looking at the chat room. There, you know, the, the big talk of the movement is, you know, Andre the Nigger Angling has gone all his daily sperm. I call. I call it the daily sperm. I, do you do you look at the daily sperm or any? Uh, occasionally, not real often. Okay, I haven't really looked at, but they were saying that it's more popular than storm front, the sperm fart, but. Uh, you know, I'm I'm supposedly bannable on site here from you know fighting with some of the cars who are gone now from the nineteen nineties, but uh they pretty well censor me, but they have figured out one of my sock possums here. Wiggerswell was whining, Ain't that misinformed us Pastor Martin Linstead sock possum here or whatever. But anyway, I didn't find out about but just recently here is old Andre, the nigger angling. And he's running around, essentially calling uh, what few white women we got in our bowel movement, calling a bunch of sluts and saying, "Hey, you know, we need to have a bromance. We need to, we need to essentially go against the girlies or something like that." And he said, "Take the red pill. We don't. We we need to be united as brethren here." And I'm looking at this shit here. You know, first of all, you have Andre the nigger. Three years ago. Three years ago, he had, he was open anti-racist activist, and he has a YouTube, had a YouTube of him and some little Filipinos, you know, 12 or 13 or 14-year-old Filipinos, uh, you know, Pina, 
whatever you call these here. She she looks like a little miniature Imelda Marcos, and they're running through this Filipino mall, which doesn't seem to have very much in it. It seems to you know, be rather sterile plastic. And here she is. She's telling him what to do. She's yapping, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Well, here, he's claiming this Filipino is his jailbait girlfriend. He also said something about how he prefers to have the sex from nigger women. Okay, well, you should. I mean, hell, you're a nigger male, and it's better that niggers, you know, niggers like Andre the nigger uh, stop lusting after white women anyway. So I don't really mind that so much, but here he was. He had a YouTube video. Now, about a year or so, you know, here he goes, he has a daily stormer, so he takes down, he does a DMCA complaint, and most of these nimbusters, they have their own little, I think I have a copy of it somewhere. But Andre the Nigger Angling will take down uh, that picture of him as a sex tourist in the Philippines with a, what, 12 or 13 or 14 little miniature dragon lady gookas. You know what I mean? And, but, but then again, that, you know, that was what he was three years ago, an anti-racist activist running around as a sex tourist. So he looked like, you know, he looked like a part nigger anyway then. Then you end up having some then Packy Shanks, a, uh, a packy with a nose like a camel, so he's sort of like a Jew packy. He's running around with Bill Fink or a Bill Fink and Mike the Kite Delaney. And uh, you have all these characters playing white, and now they're telling white nationalism what to do. So you have some of this laughing here by old Hunter Walls and old, uh, old Codney Martin here. And I don't trust Codney too much either. Uh, you know, he's he, he's, he's gone ahead and shown up. So you have, in this movement, you have these people show up who used to be something else. Well, still are. I mean, old Codney, or I must say Codney, but uh, well, Codney, in 2007, he was, he was an anti-racist who was a tribal administrator. Now, in order to be a tribal administrator, you have to be a member of the tribe. And he said his he said his wife, who he claims now is a pagan, was a Eastern Cherokee. And so he had a number of you know anti Nazi letters from two thousand seven. Then three or four years later he decides to come into white nationalism and he set up the you know American Nationalist Network. Out of out of nowhere. You never heard of him before. Same way with Andre the Nigger. Same way with Mike the Titanic, same way with Dale Fick, same way with Eli James, same way with Dan John. These people come in, and they're set in, they're introduced, and in many cases, they're still not. I mean, Andre the Nigger didn't become white just because he's claimed to be a white nationalist. So you end up seeing this sort of stupid shit. And to me, the... You have all these people say, how can we advance white nationalism? We can't advance white nationalism as long as, A, they're not white. They never will be white in the first place. But you can't advance it when there's nothing that can be built, not upon the foundations of what we have. And if you do build something and indoors, you're going to have it taken away from you anyway. So... You know, that's the sort of stupid shit I see here in white nationalism or something like that. So I was pretty well wanting to comment about old Andre the Nigger and his latest uh, bromance or something like that here to where, 
you know, and, and I'm, I'm really glad. I'm, I'm really glad that Andre the Nigger is not having other Mamzers and Mongols going after what little white pussy that remains in the battle moment. I mean, I think that's really a good thing. Is that what I'm saying? Well, well I, I, I have noticed occasionally he contradicts himself. He, um, it's been some time since I've been to the Daily Stormer, but mm-hmm. I noticed one of the pieces he wrote is that we can't, um, that, that whites are above violence like the common Negro. And then uh, two weeks later he writes a, uh article you know why they're successful? <laughs> and then then he espouses the virtue of their violence. Yeah, I don't I look I look at this I look at this character. To me, the first thing is if he doesn't look if he's not white, what's he doing around here? You know what I mean? And I don't think Andre the Nigger is white. Well, obviously, that's why I call him Andre the Nigger. I don't think he's white at all. So I, you know, pretty much if you dig in, you find out like Bill Fanks, a Jew. You go in and find out Brian Reels, a mongrel, uh, which has a past history. You go ahead and you dig out these people, and then they're linked to other people. It doesn't really matter what they say because, well, I'm not listening to niggers. I'm not listening to Jews. Well, I am listening to niggers and Jews. I'm just not believing anything they have to say. Now, I am listening to them. I mean, that's the purpose of the turd is to listen to them. And then this is what they said here. But, yeah, you they have contradictions, but you know, you're actually surprised by the contradiction. I'm not surprised by the contradiction at all. No, you know I'm, I mean? not, I'm not surprised. I just um, comment on it. Oh. Okay. find so, it a little bit amusing that he'd um, install the virtues of uh, whiteness as being nonviolent, and then uh, two weeks later extol the virtues. You know our problem? We're not violent like this. <laughs> well, what what he is, he's, a, he's sort of like an Asian provocateur. He's trying to provoke Tars into doing something violent. About two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, here is some character. I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard of him until uh, I was reading Radio, come across something. Harold Covington, he noticed it here, and then I went and looked at it, and it's, you know, this character lives around 200 miles, you know, from me, you know, north of uh, Lake of the Ozarks, uh, fairly close to, uh, fairly close to uh, Jefferson City. You know, he's living on the edge of the Ozarks, and it turns out his father is a member of the Drunken Lifers Corps. He was in the Army, and, you know, his dad just stays at home and drinks, doesn't get out much, just stays at home and drinks here. I mean, drunken life record. And here's this tard. He don't have a driver's license because he's lost it. He's been drunk so many times. So like father, like son, but, you know, son can't get in the Army because, hey, he's just simply a drunken tard. So he runs around with somebody who claims to be Christian identity, and you're reading this, and here is this confidential informant for the Morgan County Sheriff's Department. And this this confidential informant 
brings and talk about what do you think of this thing? Oh, I shoot it myself. I shoot it myself. What's 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 that guy? You know, but you know, right now I you know my my two seventy Winchester. You know, my two seventy Winchester. Uh, I mean, a two seventy is just simply a neck down thirty out six. You know what I mean? You know, especially mm-hmm. a thirty out six, thirty out six bullets here, but instead of thirty caliber, it's. Point two seven caliber, you know what I mean, as opposed to point three zero eight or whatever. You know, three I zero mean, six. Three zero six, something like that. Okay, some some of these, so like an SKS here, an SKS bullet here is about what point three one zero. You know, whereas a point three o a three o eight is point well three o eight, but you say some of this point three zero six. Okay. In case they have different. They have different uh, things because sometimes it depends on whether it's in the in the lands or the grooves or the rifling or whatever here. So you will have, say, for an SKS, you'll have a slightly, not much slightly, but you'll have about close to pretty well the same caliber bullet. But in case, he's running around, he's telling this confidential informant who is recording him. His girlfriend's recording. He goes over to, you know, have dinner with this guy and Pretty well, oh, yes, I am plotting to shoot the nigger here, but I don't have a I don't have a driver's license. Could you drive me to Kansas City or could you drive me to Washington, D.C. so I can shoot that nigger? And here he is being recorded. You know what I mean? And that's what you, that's what you have. You have old Andre the nigger. All of a sudden, he's yapping about, about violence here. You know, this, you know today, today's told talk against violence. Next week, he's told to talk in favor of violence. You understand what I'm saying? And so as a result, none of it's consistent other than it is going to get where you're tarzan in trouble here. But I sort of think that a lot of the critters who listen to it are mongols themselves here. I mean, if you end up having, if you end up having a critter that you think is a nigger or a Jew, you find out they're a nigger at you, like Eli James or Bill Fink or Brian Real or Jeremy Visser or whatever. You know, and I've, I've had, well, I like listening to Jeremy Visser. He's so interesting to talk to. I said, yeah, yes, but, you know, sort of like eating rat poison here. 95% of what that rat poison eats is good stuff, tasty stuff to a rat. It's the 5%. Yeah, it's, food. You know, it's the 5% that's going to kill the rat. Now, do you really want to listen to a bunch of kite shit and not know, you know, not know where the poison is at here unless you really know? Why bother? Why bother to sort it out? Just simply listen, you know, Mr. is not white. He's a, uh, he's a Cherokee Sephardic Morgan of some sort. He's a Mongol of some sort. Why are you listening to it even though I'll admit he has a great deal of verbal intelligence? He's able to lie quite a bit. Why are you listening to him? Well, you put that away, well, I don't know why. I'm listening because I want to listen to him, I guess. Okay? So, let's see here. Yeah, that, that's, you know, guess number 32. Okay, you have Optima Feminist. She came in here. This is Holy Thursday. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a single day in the you know of the 365 and a quarter that isn't a Roman Catholic holiday. What do you want to bet? 
take that bet. You want to take that bet? This is the this is this is the holiday of Saint Ass Clown. Well, what do you do? Oh, we did some stupid shit and got his head chopped off by Joe the Hunt here, and we we worship him every every day, every 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 year on this day. It's Holy Feast of Saint Ass Clown. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, you learn a few things here. Why Saint Bar Saint Barbara is the uh, is the patron saint of artillerymen. I didn't know that until I joined the army and I was in the field artillery. But <laughs> so, so, in any case, um, this is very special. I'm sure it is here. Just like Optima Femina, she's special, so special, gotta have some of your attention. Give it to me, do, 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 with ass in pocket. Do, do, do. Oh, Chrissy Hyde here, and I, I agree with Flesh Rimblow. He says that she looks like the sort of woman who would give you a social disease, but you would enjoy getting it from her. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> So where am I at here? Well, it's you know <laughs> you have you have the tards here. They're they're getting uh they're getting all sort of uh oh they're getting sort of uh rambunctious here, so to speak here. But if there's one of their uh Catholic saints that I would uh prefer to celebrate the holiday of, it's one they uh, would prefer to forget about. Probably here. You you uh uh, you know, I mean, uh, all your all your folks were Protestants, right? Uh, no, my grandmother was a uh, devout Catholic. Really? Okay. Uh, who would not attend the Catholic Church? Okay, she she had her she had her belly full already. You know, she had her belly full back then. Huh? Uh, yes, when I was a young one, she uh, told me to stay away from the Catholic Church. She wasn't Christian anymore. Okay, and when was this? This was this was a while back ago, right? Uh, this was Saint Paul. Back, back in the sixties, she was telling me this stuff. This is what Pope Paul the seventh or something, sixth or seventh or something like that. I can't Pope really Paul recall. Way back then. Yeah. Then you had another one. Then you had uh, what? Oh, he lived for a while. Then you had Vatican II, which we're they were bitching about. Then you had a, a number of them here. But uh, now I used to laugh here because some of the old Catholics here they hated John Paul, and you know, John Paul II. I'd call him June Paul, June Paul. So you you do know that June Paul II's mother was a caucus named Katz, don't you? A Polak cat caucus named Katz, you know. <laughs> They like here and there here. Uh, pretty well, the Winsteads and the the Winsteads especially have been oh Lutheran since uh, well Martin Luther I think. Uh, pretty well, they used to walk, they used to rampage through Germany uh, performing Dutch Sweden trucking here on all the uh, South Deutsch on all the South Deutsch uh, priests and the rest here, and as a result, as a result. Uh, no Roman Catholic priest was allowed into Sweden until 1962, and no Jesuit until 1969. So uh, once they went ahead and allowed these uh, Roman Catholic priests, why, shoot, 
I think that was the end of Sweden here as a country. Supposedly now, supposedly now, heck, uh, there was a picture going on the rounds of the internet of a Swedish elementary school. There's only one white girl there, and the rest of them are sort of you know Somali looking, uh, Somali looking uh, niggers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's one thing you get about those Somali niggers here. They look like they're sort of Jew, thin Jew niggers, is what they look like. They look like thin Jew Arab niggers. You're right. Really, I don't see too many damn Somali niggers or Ethiopian niggers that look like Fat Albert. So, have you ever noticed that? I hadn't until you mentioned it. No. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, how we had we had this Somali nigger. There was a Somali nigger who was at the nut house, and, uh, oh, the faggot sort of kept track of the Somali nigger. Uh, he was running around with this other nigger woman here, and she got him to lick her pussy all the time here, and they got separated. But in any case, he got caught or something like that. And I don't know if he got, I don't know if he got herpes on the tongue or not here, because some other nigger was tupping that too here, and he got a bad case of herpes. You know, another one was fucking the fat niggeress named Maria. And I, I call it mad hippo disease here. But he had, I think he got mononucleosis here and something else here from it. Maybe AIDS, I don't know. So this was at the nut house. Uh, you know, you had some you had some nigger wenches, nigger wenches, and usually they kill their babies or something like that. You'd have a lot of them, they, they sort of lost their brains because their uh, daddies and their brothers and their uncles and their cousins had molested them at the age of eight or nine or ten or whatever here. But, uh, no, I've, I've noticed is that Somali niggers, you don't really see any fat Somali niggers. Now, now, most American niggers are from, you know, from the slave coast. You know, they're from West Africa. You know, Gabon, you know, uh, Gabon and Nigeria and places like that here. So you don't have a bunch of fat niggers. But the Somali niggers are, you know, they're Arab niggers. So they look like you know, Jew niggers. And I've never really seen. I've never really seen a. Uh, I've never really seen a fat Somali nigger. Have you? Now yeah. that I mention it, no. I mean, you know, they're sort of. You know, of course they they they're sort of like Savannah packy shakes. I mean, a lot of packies. I've seen a bunch of packies here. They don't have big old snouts here like that Savannah packy shakes does. I mean, he looks like you know he looks, he looks like you know that snout is into camel diddling. You know what I mean? I mean, shoot, he has a big old Jew camel nose here, old Savannah Packy Shanks does. And, uh, you know, that's that's what you have is that, you know, you have Andre the Nigger and you have Savannah Packy Shanks, and uh, supposedly kicked off this Marcus Cicero. What do you want to bet that that's a made off name? You know, I bet, I bet, I bet Marcus, you know, Cicero, the only way he can be a real Cicero is if he's some sort of. He's some sort of wop who's from Cicero, uh, you know, Cicero Organized Crime in Chicago. I bet that's a made-up name, sort of like Savannah Packy Shanks is. What do you want to bet? It's quite possible. Quite probable. I think it's quite probable, in fact. <laughs> so, Marcus uh, Cicero, sort of like Savannah Longshanks. Give it to a critter who looks like a Jew Packy. I mean, come on. I bet his mother didn't, you know, I bet his mother was named Mrs. Longshanks. You know what I mean? This is single shooting history, you know, 666 is what it is. 
you know, so then Peg, you know, so then Longshanks indeed here. But <laughs> Andre, you know, Andre the nigger, Andre here. Sometimes some of the Nimbusters call him Apedry here, but, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty well made. Really, really. Should one listen to anybody preaching white nationalism or CI dentistry if they're a Jew or if they're a nigger or if they're a Paki or if they're a WAP? I mean, do you really want to listen, you know, to them tell you what to do? Really? Do you, do you really want that? And the answer is I don't here. You know what I mean? But at times it's like a uh, a car accident. You really don't want to watch, see the horror and the mangled bodies, but you have to look at them just because of that reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you if you've ever driven the interstate around New Jersey or something like that. I mean, especially in New Jersey or on Jersey on the Jersey Turnpike, or I ninety five, where they make you pay for it all. They will have an accident. I'll say the Cross Bronx Expressway or something like that. There's no reason. There's no freaking reason for the traffic. To slow down, especially on the Cross Bronx Expressway. You don't really want to slow down on the Cross Bronx Expressway. Now, I'm not talking about at night here. When you want to essentially get on the Cross Bronx Expressway on your way to the Frog's Neck to get onto Long Island because you have a stupid load and you have to go past the George Washington Bridge, you know, and get on the Cross Bronx Expressway to the Frog's Neck or whatever, to get onto Long Island to deliver a load of, well, as I remember one time, this cheap, this cheap particle board furniture made in Lamar, uh, Missouri by O'Sullivan Industries here to a warehouse somewhere on Long Island. Uh, I forget what the hell the name of the town was. But anyway, what they will do is you're trying to get out, you're trying to get the hell out of New York, and it's around four, you know, it's around three o'clock in the afternoon before before the rush hour is going to shut down, and they will have an accident on the Cross Bronx Expressway. There's no fucking reason for the traffic to slow down. It's because everybody got to look at what the hell the accident looked like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen that here. And, you know, you're, you're cussing because when you're driving a truck, you want to preserve. You don't want to, you know, you know, because you have to go through all the freaking gears, you know, to, you know, and then, you know, when you put on the brake, that means you're going to have to go back up to the gears again. That's a pain in the ass. I mean, you know, driving through, say, I-80 across Nebraska in the summertime, I mean, hell, you make 600 miles a day. You're riding, you know, you're, you're riding and guiding. I mean, hey, you know, you're only pulling the car, you're only pulling in, you're only pulling in because you're going through Nebraska on Interstate 80. You know, you got, what, a couple thousand miles to go to back east, you know, you picked up a load, and you're riding and guiding. But you drive through, what, Interstate 95 back east. Why, hey, you will be far more tired You'll be far more tired going 400 miles back east than you will going, what, 800 miles out west. You know what I mean? And it's because of that, it's because of that stupid shit here, They're, them having the accident, you know, having the accident or something. You know what I mean? Everybody having to look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, uh, I've seen so you that. Like, so you like, you like train, you like looking at train wrecks and fuck ups and ass clownery or something like that. And, you know, I admit, I admit this is what the movement turned us about is about what train wreck occurred this weekend, you know, uh, you know, in the bowel movement. And heck, uh, corn cob, I mean, corn cob was fascinating stuff to listen to because every time corn cob would do something, there would be a train wreck. You know what I mean? There would be a wreck. There would be a fuck up. Never, you know, never failed. You know what I mean? Now, interestingly enough, I know I um, talked to a woman who was very non-racial. Uh-huh. Um, brainwashed in that respect. But she thought uh, Cobb didn't go far enough. She thought his problem was he should have killed everybody in town and just didn't know what happened. <laughs> well, with Corn Cobb, with Corn Cobb, I'm wondering, where did he find the only, because essentially my people, you know, my people, my mother's family came, were in West River. The Samuelsons were in West River, West River, South Dakota. And the Linsteads were just barely East River, South Dakota. You know what I mean? And there's a difference between the West, West River and the East River and, say, South Dakota or the Missouri River, for that matter, you know, North Dakota, for that matter. And I was wondering, how the hell do you find the only 30-mile town with a mud shark and a Cleveland nigger? How do you, how do you manage to find that? And I, I, I sort of think that he was working for the Southern Pike Law Center I think Corn Cobb's a Jew boy myself here, but she was sort of thinking that. Well, see, in North Dakota, you got to realize is that about everybody there has a gun, has several guns, has a rifle and a shotgun, and they might have a pistol, but they're, you know, more than likely their guns are going to be, oh, the rifle, you know, their 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 guns is likely to be a shotgun. 12 gauge, something like that, for shooting ducks or whatever. And their rifle is more than likely to be a 30 6 or a 7 millimeter Magnum, or, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a high powered rifle, you know, not 30 30, not, uh, you know, not an SKS, not something like that, you know. I mean, up there, everybody has a gun. Several guns, and yes, they may have pistols or something like that. But you know, that's not really the gun they use the most. Of. It's usually, usually a rifle or a shotgun in season. So hey, uh, corn cob coming in, uh, corn cob starts shooting. That's not going to end up well. You know what I mean? Not going to end up well. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Pretty well, about everybody has a you know has a gun or something like that here. Somebody has to use the restroom here. Uh, could you just hang on, or you know, we have about a thirty second break, and then you talk about what you want to do because I am ba- a bad interviewer, Tom. All righty. Okay. Well, about thirty second break, and uh, then Tom's going to sort of take over, and we'll be back. Hail victory.
yes, sir. I'm coming. Uh, you can you can go ahead and proceed. I mean, but I I sort of think corn cob was I think corn cob's a Jew boy, and I think he was sent to the only thirty mile town which had a nigger and a mud shark in, and nigger from Cleveland, no less. Well, I found it worse that um, he was in a town that was full of uh, well liberals. Never going to convince them, uh, those people, of pretty much anything. Of course, if he had been in a nice town that was half black, he might have been able to convince the um, other half, the white half, that they needed to get away from them and separate that town. Because any time diversity wears its ugly head, Someone is secretly thinking they wish they could escape from them. That's how it happened in La Plata. wanted the diversity they had received. Of course, half of them that talk in private about uh, where did it all come from will not say that publicly. They will uh, say anything anything other than that because they don't want to be called names. And that's the only thing our enemy has ever done for us is call us names. They haven't actually they don't have a whole lot of tricks in their book and they call the same set of names over and over again. The uh, rest of the stuff just follows naturally, and it's not as effective as they'd like. They have these so-called antifas that they'll publish people's names and pictures and addresses in the hopes that someone will go do something to them. And... After all that money is funneled to these clowns, they don't get much of it done. They mainly get to, uh, well, waste money. The useful idiots turn out to be not as useful as the enemies at the top would like. Oh, I gave up on dignity a long time ago. I'm old. I I can do all sorts of things, and I don't care. Cranky old men do not care. (laughs) I, 
I don't necessarily do a monologue good, but I'll uh, fill a little bit of time. Okay. <laughs> oh, you have these tards here. Let's see. One, three, two, five, four, nine. What, what, what show is that here, Long Island, Brian? I'm wondering. In case, uh, oh, that's that's your show, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one I've been uh, running. Okay, well, I think you run pretty good here. Uh, there, there's a difference, though, between South Dakota and North Dakota. South Dakota has honest Swedes, and uh, like my grandfather, Fred Lindsay, says, you know, North Dakota is just filled with stinky Norwegians. Uh, second, second, you know, second is that a South Dakotan, you know, more than anybody, you know, more than anyone else here, hates Indians. I mean, shoot, uh, you know, hates Indians worse than the Mississippian hates niggers here. We're talking about white Mississippians here. Uh, generally, generally, I noticed here you had this, you had this Indian called Chase Iron Eyes who was from, uh, who was supposedly from Pine Ridge here. Well, guess what? I mean, if he was in South Dakota, he'd no better than act that away. Uh, but he's in North Dakota, so I guess he thinks he'd get away. Them, them damn Norwegians, them damn stinky Norwegians in North Dakota, they allow Indians to get away with shit you know, a lot more than they would in you know, South Dakota. Here. So in any case, I'm sort of looking at that crap. If, if I had gone up there, I would just simply say, hey, you do know you do know you're violating the peace treaty uh, to where you have reservations, which means that you're, you're supposed to stay on the reservation. You're not supposed to get off the white you know, reservation and tell the white man what to do. Because if you do, that means the white man gets to tell you Indians how to run things on your reservation if you are off your reservation onto the white man's, you know, onto the white man's land here. But, you know, old corn cob, he didn't know that. I, I think corn cob's a Jew boy. But in any case... There's a bigger difference between North Dakota and South Dakota than there is between, say, North Carolina and South Carolina. Really? Okay? So, <laughs> oh, well, we, we, have, we have TARDs here, and uh, TARDs make the turd. TARDs make the turd war. Okay? So, yeah, I, I, think, I, think Tom runs a, I think Tom runs a pretty good show. Pretty good show. Oh, you Indeed. know when the uh, Indians, at least one group of them that hate uh, Andrew Jackson, as you were talking about so early on. Yeah. At one time, well, when they first opened their uh, casinos, some of them didn't want to take the twenty-dollar bill. Yeah. And um, they found out it was costing them money. So uh-huh. they decided, well, Andrew's not quite that bad. <laughs> <laughs> we still have a whining a little bit over here. I was talking about Gwenna Wallace. She used to be the English teacher at Crowder College, and she was a big, she was a big women's liver, big women's liver. And what happens is she's actually now the uh, chairwoman or whatever of the Eastern Shawnee tribe. And she was a bad little squaw here. Uh, you know, I mean, she supposedly was liberal and all this sort of thing. And she would, you know, she would, you know, talk about a bunch of anti-white male shit here when she was there here. But, uh, oh, what happened? She used to, she, you know, Crowder College used to have a whole bunch of, 
used to have a basketball team, and it was made of niggers, you know, niggers imported from New Jersey mainly. And uh, most of the the basketball play, the baseball players were all uh, were all local white guys here, and the baseball players and the basketball players didn't get along here because you had the local rednecks and you had the New Jersey niggers here. And old Glenna Wallace was saying, "Well, I justify, you know, you know, niggers, niggers like to fuck white girls here." So essentially, here was this nigger. He was, you know, he was getting some, getting some, some on the side here, and she was justifying that. Here, old Glenna was here, but it seems like she's gotten pretty conservative now that she is the chairman of the chairwoman or whatever, chief ass or whatever of the Eastern Shawnee tribe. What they did is they reopened Border Town today. Uh, I don't know why what the day was special for, but they reopened uh, they reopened Border Town today. And it was it'd been around for a while and then they set up a smaller one, you know, up on the hill about three or four miles away on your way to Miami, Oklahoma. And then they opened this big old casino with a whole bunch of hotels called Indiglo. And then they closed down Border Town for about two about two, maybe three years. Now they reopened up Border Town again today. So she was in the uh she was in the uh, local news or something like that. Grammy's also in the news because uh, the other day they had a uh, they had a, what uh, they had some skank from Fairview who was humping this tard here and he was cheating on his wife and she you know some sixty five year old uh, skank went ahead and shot a fifty uh, eight year old lying tard here. I'm trying to figure out he'd be about my age here. So uh, she went ahead and shot him. She went ahead and shot him. Let's, let me go ahead and look at this uh, thing here. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to let Tom talk. Well, you, no, you tards, no, you tards are ever satisfied with anything, are you? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much because it's way past my bedtime. I know, and I like to thank you for calling in. Uh, let's see, let's see, who did she shoot? Well, I know this character. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, you you have these uh, you have these cards. They went ahead and photoshopped my face onto uh, you know <laughs> onto something that you know this right here. Jordan's wife had been granted. I don't even know this guy, but he was uh, you know he uh, he got shot about a mile and a half away from my house here, you know, right around uh, where my Ole Roxy's brother lives over at Cedarwood, which is a uh, this is a housing, you know, housing development that they made in the 1970s or so. So anyway, uh, what are you going to cover tomorrow on your show? I have no idea yet. Okay. Uh, we, we, you know, Long Island Brian wanted me to cover, uh, oh, Indiana and Arkansas, you know, supposedly having a religious, you know, where businesses could, quote, discriminate against faggots. And now they're all pissing down their leg and running through the tall grass. So we got libertarian social democracy to where the faggots get to, I guess, force people to think that they're great, you know, great because they're faggots here, because they choose to do faggot shit here. And then, let me see, this uh, somebody, you know, some white guy is going to get in trouble for putting a, you know, putting a noose on a statue of a nigger in Mississippi. So, so much for freedom of 
speech. Well, I mean, well, a couple of years ago, they had a um, big investigation from the Department of Justice because at some college, a uh, couple of fraternity guys got drunk. And they pulled a few pranks. They did such stuff as run a pirate flag up in front of the um, military academy on gra- on campus. But the thing they investigated them for was they uh, spread a couple bags of cotton balls on the black student union lawn. And they investigated it as a hate crime. And a while back, I was looking to see if I could find that story, and I found another one instead. A uh, bunch of um, young school kids, too young to be uh, prosecuted as a hate crime, had put um, cotton balls on um, some black kid's lawn, and... Well, they reported the cotton balls as a hate symbol. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I heard you get in trouble by buying one of these here little stuffed monkey dolls and then tie tie a rope around his neck and put it from a tree. Because supposedly that represents old old Bongo here. That's a hate crime. That's a hate crime here to, to go ahead and lynch a nigger monkey, you know, a, a monkey, you know, a nigger monkey doll or something like that here. That's a hate crime. So, I mean, you got to wonder, so you know, how in the hell is even old Eric you know, Holder, this nigger, able to claim that there's an imminent threat simply because some character puts a rope around the neck of a nigger, you know, of a nigger statue? You know what I mean? Well, they tried to find a way to uh, prosecute a man who hung a uh, chair from his tree on a rope. Oh, okay, yeah. That, you know, I heard something <laughs> about that here a couple of years ago. Dumbass old Clint Eastwood here was yapping to a chair at the Republican convention here back in, what, 2012? Yeah. <laughs> well, so here he is. He's hanging a chair. He's hanging a chair from a tree. <laughs> it's he obvious <laughs> to a moron that that's a crime. <laughs> you have to be a moron to think that. Well, there's no shortage of morons here. All right, I, I've just seen a, I've just seen a bunch of them here. But on the other hand, I don't see in white nationalism any more or CIDestry any more intelligence here when you have critters that have been revealed to not be white have been revealed in some cases to be Jews and you have a bunch of tarred follow-up you know uh, finally got rid of Rebecca Mesh but she freaked out you know when I showed a picture of her and her daughter who was even darker you know this was in way back in October 2012 and she lasted about another you know two years and now she's disappeared but she said, Eli, maybe I'm not cut out to be Christian identity. And this is, you know, here she is. She began to think here, and old Eli says, oh, don't worry, Rebecca. 
I'm working on an article called Crumbs to where Christ gave crumbs to Mongols. Well, no, Eli, uh, you want, I guess, a follower. But, you know, if you had any sense here, here's this woman, she's, you know, she realizes that now everybody who looks knows that she's an Indian, knows that she's not an Israelite. You know, and she's already said, is my half Cherokee daughter an Israelite? Well, no, she's not. And here, her daughter, I mean, Rebecca was herself better than half Indian. Her daughter was even darker. You know what I mean? You know, not even, quote, half here. So here here she is. And here are these people said, no, you belong in Christian identity. No, you belong, you know, I mean, do you really believe Andre, you know, Andre the nigger angling belongs in white nationalism? I haven't really paid that att- much attention to him, tell you the truth. I've never uh, yeah. looked at his uh, picture. Okay, look at his picture. He looks like, you know, he looks like uh, he looks like a high yellow nigger here. Yellow, Wailing Malstein. Oh, this was in June of last year. Oh, Andre has a weird-shaped head. Well, yeah, he has a weird-shaped head. He's a nigger. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> uh, you, know you go ahead and you look at it. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever seen old Savan Longshank's picture over on David Stormer? No, I haven't. Well, I went over there, and here it is, a dark, dark-skinned critter with a big, with, I mean, you know, most packies don't have especially big noses, but this critter, this critter looks like he diddle three camels, you know, you know, and, and keep them all satisfied. You know what I mean? He has a big old nose, you know, packie with a big old nose here. And let me see, I don't know about the other tards here. But, yeah, you, usually you know, I... In order to see anything halfway well, I have to put my glasses on, and I just do that for reading anymore. Well, what I do, you know, what I do when I'm from my when I'm from my computers, I have bifocals. What I do is I cut the ends off of uh, an old washcloth, the ends of it, and what I do is I uh, fold it up here and I put it, I put it on my nose so I can able to go ahead and look through my bifocals. And that's how I'm able to look at my computer for the day. So I think I've I think I've lost I think I've lost uh, service here on my uh, on my talks you account here. So I'm gonna go ahead and check something. Anyway, I, I guess I'll let you go, Tom. Uh, I'm glad you called in. And you might you might go ahead and go over to the Daily Stormer and. You know, oh, Andre the nigger. About two weeks ago, people were began to talk, and he uh, he came up with the excuse of Andre revealed or something like that. So he was quote revealing what he thought he had to be revealed here. But he claims to be white, but I look at him; he's not white to me. So anyway, if you get a chance, maybe maybe you'll go ahead and look at him here. But uh, the next time I happen to actually look at something over there, I'll probably have that pop up in my mind and look for it. <laughs> look for old Aunt, you know. Uh, I remember when I first seen him here. You know, his name was, uh, he called himself, himself called himself Andrew Angling. He called himself Andre Angling. So when I was a kid, there was this big old giant who, you know, he, you know, he had suffered a pituitary problem. He looked like a Neanderthal. He was seven foot two or seven foot four. 
And, you know, so what he did is he became a wrestler. He was known as Andre the Giant. Well, here he was, seven foot whatever, and he weighed about four or 500 pounds. He was about three or four, all these other anglers, you know, all these other wrestlers. So as a result, well, wrestling is fake, you know, but as a result, he was, I mean, essentially he was what? Oh, two or three times the weight and, uh, you know, great deal of strength here, and he can hold you off. He's seven foot, you know, seven foot tall here. He's called Andre the Giant. So I, I gave old Andre Angling. I called him Andre the Nigger Angling, and <laughs> some people call him Avery or whatever here. So just, uh, oh, just, just go ahead and talk. But you might, you might go ahead and look, and then when you see Savan Longshanks. Go ahead. He has a very small picture. It's only about, you know, maybe half inch by half inch of that much. You know, it's a very small picture. But you see a brown skinned critter with a big nose. You know what I mean? So maybe you can go ahead and look here. I got I got to laugh at critters who don't look white pretend to be white nationalists here. You know, Brian Real had the same problem. I found out his real name and looked at his Facebook page. And this critter ain't white. This critter ain't even remotely white. So. That's what you have. You have a lot of these critters who uh, ain't white, white nationalism, and in Christian identity. So, well, anyway, I'll let you go. Kind of reminds me of a joke picture I've seen before. Oh, okay. And that was a cat, and the cat mm-hmm. was sitting in front of a mirror, looking at it, mm-hmm. and the reflection in the mirror was that of a lion. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I, I, I've seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but old Kitty, he had he had delusions of grandeur. I think yeah. old Andre the nigger. I think old Andre the nigger here. He might see a blonde, blue-eyed, you know, Swedish-looking character here. And old Andre has delusions of adequacy, though. You know what I mean? See, some of, some of these uh, psychiatrists that I say you have delusions of grandeur. And I said, well, hey, I'm not nearly as bad as you, Tards. You have delusions of adequacy. So, uh, <laughs> oh, heck, I'm uh, trying to help my friend who killed his daddy with a claw hammer. Uh, I bought him a domain name. And he's wanting, she's wanting for people to get on the Internet and send him money to this Jew lawyer named Kevin Jameson. And the character is a Jew, and his wife is a real evil typist here. And I've I, I pretty well seen, met him. Oh, way back in 1995, uh, it was a it was a militia it was a militia case here involving some uh, woman in you know some family in McDonald County, and so he came down and he charged a hell of a price. He didn't really do a damn thing. Uh, this other lawyer, you know, ordinary Whigger lawyer. Uh, pretty well got this case dismissed here. You know, just this woman who was being charged with waving a gun at a McDonald County sheriff's deputy who was harassing her. You know, behind the window of her, uh, in the window of her own house. So, anyway, got a, got a few things here. We'll we'll go ahead and take a break, and I'll let you go, Tom. And I'll I'll try to what I what I try to do is at seven o'clock. I go over to Finkelstein's, and I try to record Finkelstein 
going through the names of all the Jew boys and cards that he has over on his, listening to his show on T-Speak and over on TalkStew, and try to get him to say Marty Chomo or that Jew pig Rabbi Linstead or whatever. Try to get him to say some stuff, and I try to get him recorded on my MP3 player. And, uh, oh, last week I got him to call me a motherfucker a couple times, and then he said, well, that doesn't look nice. So he tried to hide it, but I only got a screenshot. So usually at 7 o'clock I'm busily, I'm busily causing trouble for Rabbi I think. But usually... Oh, once he gets in there, I get the other computer booted up. I try to go over to your show and listen in. Okay. Well, well so, um, I, actually, there's something called Chat Grabber. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What I try to do is I try to get I try to get in there before Finkelstein and Melissa here gets done paying attention to his two inches of Jew foreskin, and I try to. Oh, go ahead and post pictures of Brian Rio and Finkelstein and Eli and. All that I try, I try to get in there before Finkelstein gets in there and put my stuff up there. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, I'm just playing Cossacks and Jew boys with that Jew. So uh, usually, usually I have to be there trolling. So uh, what I'll try to do is I'll try to head on over there. You, you guys usually do a show at least two hours, not quite three though, most of the time. Yeah. I'm... Ooh. Well, I'll let you go. I wish you and your um, guests a good night. And I'll stop by again when I can uh, <laughs> stay up late. Well, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you made a special. I'm, I'm glad you made a special uh, stay up late for me here, Tom. Yeah, it's much better live for some reason than uh, catching the uh, recording later. Okay, well, I'm, I'm hoping you're getting something out of the recording. I'm not sure what, but uh, we were talking about Bruce and uh, his 70-year-old, you know, 21-year-old Bruce and a 70-year-old uh, lady love who's going to come down under to visit him here. And I'm, uh, I didn't say that here, but uh, Bruce. Uh, Bruce, you could probably get about the same thing here from going out to the outback. There's plenty of sheep in Australia here, but uh, what the hell? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I did. Anyway, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you go. <laughs> uh, I mean, you got you to wonder, you know, I mean, sort of like Obergender comes from the land down under where sheep grow and uh, – <laughs> We sheep grow and posters plunder here. You know, I sang this uh, song about uh, you know living in the land down under. But uh, in case, uh, yeah, I'll, I will. I will let you go here. So anyway, we will. Uh, we'll take another break and we'll be back for the last section on Moon Turd. And I'll try to get control of my chat room such as it is. And maybe I won't be able to because I'm getting no signal. I think. I think that squirrels have chewed into the into the cable, and the water has gone in there, or a tornado has happened here. I bet I do not have. I bet I do not have internet access right now. I bet that is the case because I've been seeing for the last half hour no signal, no signal, 
no signal. I am betting I do not have internet. So anyway, folks, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and I'll be back in just a minute or two. Hail Victory. It comes from the land down under. Where she blow and poker's plunder. Can you hear, can you hear the blunder? Bobby comes from the land down under. Where she blow and poker's plunder. Can you hear, can you hear the thunder? You better take, you better take cover. Will be comes from the land down under. know why the sky is blue and thumbs up and nigger why they're blue too. I don't know if they're about all that stuff. I just know nigger socks. All that stuff, but I do know nigger socks. Andre Socks. 
I do know Brian sucks. That was a that was a nice catchy tune, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm having to play it on the hard drive, folks. Here, let's House next door to me has been sold to Andre. He claims to be wild white nationalist from the plains. Oh, but he ain't a shock me and snugger people. We'll make cowboys and niggers our new game. Last night when I come home, I was warmly greeted. But not by my sweet wife saying, hello, dear. Instead, it was, hello, dog. What man gentlemen? Says, how does you like us dog folks living here? Tards here, you know, they annoy me a little bit. 
But uh, hey, look, listen up, listen up. You know, if you tards are going to run wild, then this is the time to do it here. Anyway, I'm gonna. Well, I don't know what you know. I'd like to thank Tom Bowie for calling in. I really like listening to him speak. He's level-headed. I really dig that uh, Tidewater accent here. Uh, maybe he likes my accent. Uh, pretty well, it's not really Southwest Missourian. It's really a combination of a prairie drawl from uh, South Dakota and, well, some of the, let me see, Ozarkian here, a little bit here. But people who have been here a long time, they they realize they're oh, sort of close, but it's not quite uh, the right accent here. So uh, anyway, I was remembering uh, I was in the uh, I was in the army. Uh, they had fire direction control center, the fire you know the FDC section for oh the 250th rocket, which was our sister last battalion. Now they didn't get to have any nukes here. They fired HE explosives here, and they did things in the German Army quite a bit different. And I think in many cases better, more competently here. They had a number of, you know, well, they're all white soldiers. I didn't really see any niggers, you know, in the Bundeswehr. But what they had is that they had, oh, three, you know, they were, they were older soldiers here. They had put off, they had put off being drafted for 18 months, you know, 18 months into the Bundeswehr by going overseas and apprenticing there. And one had gone to Dublin, one had gone to Belfast, no, one had gone to England, one had gone to Ireland, and one had gone to Scotland. And they all three spoke English, but in different accents, totally different accents. I mean, it was just a trip hearing these guys you know, do their, quote, fire missions or talk about, uh, oh, the things that they had to do. Now, they didn't have directional antennas, you know, but what they did is they used uh, far more Tamawa. But it was a trip listening to these three Germans speaking English, one proper Oxford English, one Scot with a Scottish burr, and one with an Irish lilt. There's one done Dublin, one had gone to Glasgow or something like that, and another one had gone to, uh, you know, one had gone to Oxford or something like that. Here. And uh, they were, I think there were 18-year reserves here. Now, if you signed up for two years, which I think was better here, you could essentially become a, well, you can become an NCO and be paid about three times as much. I probably would have been paid, three, you know, for three times as much, done the two years and pretend I was going to join the Army, stay in the Army for a career. Now, in the German Army, in the German Army, why, they don't really have a West Point or anything like that. What happens is that you have to go, you have to become a senior sergeant. You have to become the equivalent of a first sergeant or a sergeant major, a senior Feldwebel. You have to go up for, you know, you have to become a, you know, a, a private. Then you have to become an Obergefreiter, which is essentially a PFC slash select four. And then you become a 
junior NCO, and then you become a senior NCO before you can become an officer. And I think that's really better. I think that is really better. I look I looked at how they did things in the German army and they did not sit shine there. There they they had they instead of having American combat boots here, you know, which were tough. You got Grant here, the you know, the army black boot. The army black boot was a you know, I mean it would go through a lot of work here. You you could you could wear it every day for about over a year before it started falling apart. I mean, it was it was it was a tough it was a tough boot here, but on the other hand, it was laced, of course. Here, I like the Germans' little Wellingtons here. They had little pull-on boots here. I like that, and they didn't stitch on them, and they didn't they didn't uh, oh they didn't uh, oh do anything with the trouser. They didn't you know they they had just still gray trousers here. I like the uniforms, you know, and really, really a. A quarter of my family came from Prussia, and the name of my family, uh, Ernst, when he came to South Dakota, he married a Bavarian girl who'd come over to South Dakota. You know, uh, the Schmitz married the Adabars. So, in any case, uh, my grandmother she kept up with it here, and I'm one of the few people who were able to tell who my one great great grandfather, old uh, Corporal Walter Schmidt, who died in September, whenever it was, 1870 at Sedan Day. He died very first day. He was killed in action at Sedan. And pretty well, my great-grandfather, Ernst, served his two years. His brother, Daniel, was a uh, draft dodger or something like that. He didn't want to serve, and 1884 was the year the Linsteads and the Schmitz got South Dakota. Well, anyway, that's you know that's history. Here, I had my brother. He was trying to he was trying to yap to me. I was not paying attention. I was listening to Harold Cummings' podcast, and I was essentially moving water. From you know, I was moving rainwater from out of this, you know, out of these uh, oh containers into my little homemade, my little homemade temporary container, uh, which was essentially oh a drop sheet, which cost I got five for five dollars. It was nine by twelve. Essentially, I made one out of uh, some cinder blocks and put them on there and just filled it up with water. And, you know, he was the one to after me here. He always wants to essentially justify killing mom. That's what he did here. I mean, essentially, he embezzled her estate, and he killed her. And here is here is the government, pretty well doing whatever the hell it wants to. Folks, we only have a civil war. And I'm listening to all these tars, and they're doing difference like Hunter Wallace. He's going ahead and yapping about showing up signs. It's not nice to just replace us. Well, that's what they want to do. You think, essentially, Jews, you know, being the spawn of Satan, they are. 
you know, being, you know, having the having the bloodline of Satan, having the little satanic, evil spirit here. You know, two seed lines here: one good, the Adamic man, the pure Adamic man, and you have the other one. You know, the line of Satan. Now, we're not talking about the Mamzers and Mongols and the whatnots or whatever. We're talking about the two seed lines who Yahweh has kept in order to get to the time which is coming up very soon, the days of the Great Tribulation here. So, here's my own brother. And some, you know, Dewey makes a point. Dewey Tucker makes a point. is that, hey, your brother is not born from above. He's not an Elohim. He's just a creation. Now, I do not agree with Dewey. I believe that the pure Adamic man has a spirit which comes from Yahweh and sort of like a seed. And like a seed. Like, let's take an apple seed. There was a time when that apple seed did not exist until a bit of pollen went in the, the pistol, you know, the, you know, the stamen from the pollen, the pollen was created and it went in to this flower and created this apple seed. And only, you know, maybe one in a million apple seeds are actually planted and grown and you know, provided to go into an actual apple tree. Now, was there not a time, was there not a time when this, before this apple seed existed here, before this tree was part of anything here, before it grew here? And essentially, I look upon the Israelites, the Israelites as being, as being, you know, to where I look, what Christ said in Matthew chapter 13, why this, why spoke the parables? He said, lest they having, you know, lest they should hear and lest they should see, I should have to forgive them. So it seems to me that Christ has so obligation with us as Israelites. I still sometimes wonder, why does my brother choose evil? He wasn't raised that way. He just took the path of no resort. And what am I supposed to do with him here? Well, I might. Besides to simply forgive him for what he did here. I think my mother forgave him for what he'd done to it. You have a bunch of these flappers. You have a bunch of these hyenas here who... Oh, your mother wanted to stay in South Dakota and die on the Lone Prairie, and maybe she did. I don't know. Essentially, my brother is quite confident. Judge Kevin Lee Selby and Judge Timothy Perigo and the federal judge is going to let, is going to run cover for murder and killing. We're going ahead and killing old women old men, in order to justify the Uyghurs who remain, who they're not going to kill yet, to stay on there. I mean, essentially, we live in southwest Missouri. I am in a state of civil war. So I look at what I see in the white national movement. I see niggers like Andre the nigger. I see I don't pay the Uyghurs like Hunter Wallace. And they all have notions here. Even Harold Cummington 
and they have notions that they're going to create something. They're going to create a movement. They're going to create a Northwest Volunteer Army. They're going to create this, or they're going to create that. See? I don't believe that anything's going to be created. I believe it's going to be a great tribulation, since it never was, and never shall be again. And that rather than, than create something, I believe that my job is to tell white men to go ahead and destroy. Go ahead and destroy everything. Go ahead and capacity of the land to where there's nothing left except, you know, I mean, I do believe that we can win. Don't come say, well, we got to do it. You know, how are we going to kill 150 million creatures? Well, easy. We deprive them of food. We deprive them of law. We deprive them of everything that they need to where essentially the only thing that remains is just a little bit for the people who create the white people here. I don't worry about niggers somehow discovering an ability to create an AK-47 factory. I just don't. I really don't. I don't think that's going to happen at all. What I rely upon, what I rely upon is civil war. What I rely upon is killing. What I rely upon is essentially nature taking its course and only a few million white people being left at that. And now there's no reason for Yahweh to keep the spot of Satan's youth alive. And so they are destroyed. And the current capacity of the land it's no longer there is, just like it was when, hey, when there was nothing on the land except wandering buffalo, but there's not wandering buffalo. There's not wandering anything. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing really other than what you can create for yourself and what you can defend. Sometimes I wonder, maybe it's not smart of me, to do anything more than just buy a few sun panels here and a trolling motor battery or so, rather than make a wood gas fire and hook it up to a generator because, hey, here it is. Nobody has any electricity. Nobody has any food. You want to have a noisy generator running which shows that there is food there's electricity, there is the white man who is running things. You're going to be up to your ass with starving wiggers and angle mosquitoes and niggers and beaners in the rest here. Oh, what to do, what to do. Folks, I see a time when there's going to be nothing other than fighting and killing and murdering. Unless you get close to Yahweh. And unless Yahweh would be Yahweh's will that you survive, you're not going to. Well, I see. I see so much killing and death to where I keep on talking about how there's going to be less than 10 or 20 million white people left when Zog and Babylon falls apart. Who do you kill first? Well, the answer is you kill. Not niggers. Not business. Not Jews, but you kill the last remaining remnant of order. You kill the pig lice. 
You kill a judge and a lawyer and a politician and the ones who have brought us to that effect here. Because, folks, you don't want any order which competes with your order. You don't want that. That's why I tell people, if they really want to study and then go ahead and look at the zombie pictures, The Walking Dead. Now they came with the uh, they came with the season finale, and they had a little prick. There used to be a pig before the zombie figure and Mamzer apocalypse came up. An old prick, just telling them. I thought I would have to take over. I don't. I don't apologize for doing whatever I want. And he want he was he was essentially was a drunken surgeon who beats his wife here, who's a, who's a nice-looking little pussy, played by, you know, I mean, essentially blonde, blue-eyed, quicker pussy. Now, folks, our females are really the acne, our beauty. Now, sometimes, well, like Roxanne Mitch, she's, you know, I mean, I, I, I sort of, I've always liked sort of fat women, but, you know, be that as it may, be that as it may here. I'm with Waxy because she is emotionally stable. And I like that too. But in case, white women have always been the acne of beauty. That's why niggers love them. That's why niggers want to hump them. They want to destroy the white man. The nigger hates us. There are two, there are two emotions in a nigger. One is hatred. The other is fear. And if you're stupid enough to do away with the fear, then you're going to have to deal with the, you know, the hatred. When you are locked up with niggers, the thing you want to do is make it make sure that they think you're a sorcerer. They think you're a Nazi. They think you're an Aryan Nation's character here. He's going to kill them all. You want to, you know, if you want to be safe among niggers, you've got to rise up on the spear because the nigger has hatred. Same with the Jew. The Jew always sees, among a white man, always sees someone who's a Nazi. I don't care if the critter's a faggot. Now, I think even Jews, even dumb Jews, realize that Andre the nigger is a white, but, you know, I mean, you know, essentially he's a little zogbop that they got. But, hey, folks, they see a white man. Let's say they see old Hunter Wallace and they see me. They believe that old cunt here is a dangerous Nazi. And then look at me. Well, this is an even more dangerous Nazi, you know, at a higher degree here. Jews, like niggers, you know, because, hey, even blondest blue-eyed nigger is 5 to 15% nigger marker gene. So that's why old corn cob is 14% nigger and 86% Jew born. But anyway... I don't know why anybody thinks. I don't know why anybody doesn't see through corn cob. Carl Garth sees through corn cob. Not right away. But he got to where he sees through corn cob. He sees through Axel Skanky, too. Oh, St. Carl, you know, St. Carl of Garth to Kalispell here. We're in two serpents out of Kalispell. Axel Skanky and, uh,. Corn cob. And, uh, folks, I like to take credit for revealing that Axis Skanky ain't white. Axis Skanky is an engine. 
Her daddy's an Indian. I think her mom is either a Jewess or a Whigress here. You know, fucked up in the head. But, you know, Jewesses, of course, fucked up in the head. I mean, they're even more fucked up in the head than Whigresses. I mean, usually Whigresses... I think, you know, that's why I disagree with Dewey. I believe, I believe in free will. I believe that Christ, that Christ has... The Yahweh, as far as Yahweh has any obligation to the creatures he's created, the creatures who he has maintained as being white, as opposed to the creatures he has maintained as being Jews. I've, I've told people that, folks, you've got to understand this, from Satan to Cain, but Cain had, you know, Cain had a number of, I call them tubal Kenites, Kenites, Cainites. And most of the Canaanites did not go through the flood. The ones who lived in the Tarim River Basin, they were drowned. I believe old Ham, worthless old Ham, who had a white wife, who had a Jew wife, Naama, descended from the Sethite women, but her father was Lamech, the bad Lamech, who, well, did a good thing by killing his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Cain. There she is. She has the blood of Satan in her. And so her little spawn is Canaan. And Canaan is cursed. But Yahweh has protected the bloodline of Cain, Satan. Now, yes, sometimes, like Commander McFagg, sometimes, like Alex Winder, sometimes, like Dan Jobs, he, he irks them by giving them. You ask Gain, say. <laughs> but folks, Yahweh has preserved the Jew race so we can come to the time we are here now. You had Amorite Jews? Essentially, you had the children of Israel, the slave-born degeneration had to die. They came over with the Passover. They had to... They had no time to wait for their bread to leaven. They had to bake it real quick and eat it in haste. So that's what, you know, that's the day which comes after and during the Passover, the days of unleavened bread. Did Yahweh have leaven in his manna? And the answer is, I don't think so. It was like everything that Yahweh creates. It was good. It was nutritious. It had all the stuff that a Whigger, an Israelite Whigger, needed to live on. And then when they whined for, you know, occasionally give them some quail, you give them some meat. You know, uh, unlike Optimum Feminist, she's still on. They did not give out. They did not give out fish on Friday. Unless <laughs> <laughs> they call them fish eaters. You know, I said, well, we like fish. We used to catch them bullheads here. You know, the old Fred was trying to catch a black bass in a, you know, in a pond which had long since flowed them all out here in the South Dakota winter, but there were plenty of black bullheads here. I mean, a bullhead can live in four inches of mud on the bottom, which is damn near frozen. He can live, a bullhead can live in mud, South Dakota mud, gumbo, on the bottom frozen mud, uh, a black bass camp here. So we would, yeah, we don't like, we don't like fish. Well, that's, that's different here. He told me about sneaky Norwegians who lived in North Dakota as well. 
Lord, Lord's Wealth was probably, maybe, I don't know if you were that sneaky, but he was a Norwegian. But in any case, why did he ever run away from his home in North Dakota? Why did now Corn Cob can never roam away from that two boys' home in North Dakota? But hey, maybe Corn Cob is eating bullheads and you know, uh, enjoying the pork without a bit of a problem here. I think the two boys who, you know, who shouldn't play Chris Nadenti, I think a two boy ought to take the Swedish cure and just, you know, I think Linda would be healthier if you just say, fuck it, I buy several pounds of bacon and just cook it up and drink the lard, you know, not burning, not boiling, but drink the lard and eat the bacon. Especially the, the fat, you know, the crunchy part here, the lean here, what little guy here. Just jump, jump it down here. And Linder Q-Boy would be better if he would just simply gobble down the old pork here. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> Take the sweetest cure. <laughs> In any case, but, you know, uh, what happens, though, is that uh, we had a turkey ham. We had we had turkey ham. Uh it was on sale, and we bought it here. And uh, I cooked some hamburgers here, and then I fried the. Uh, I went ahead and fried the. Uh, right, we had uh, we had uh, omelets here. We had uh, turkey ham, Jenny O turkey ham. I don't know if it's that good a price here. Two pounds is two pounds for seven ninety nine. A good deal or a bad deal? You know, two pound turkey ham. So I don't think it's that great a deal, really. But anyway, where was I? Yahweh has preserved both the evil seed line and the good seed line. Now, Yahweh doesn't really give a shit for the niggers or the gooks or the other critters here. They crit, or the six-day beast of Bill, who have no souls here. The Jews, I think, have sort of souls. They have satanic souls. They have the satanic bloodline. And I believe that corrupting the Holy Spirit is a means of free will. Satan had free will, and he chose evil. Dewey didn't, you know, disagrees with that. So, you know, I, I've told Dewey is that you know, I, I really like listening to Dewey. I like listening to Tom. I like listening to Jim Floyd back when Jim Floyd was alive. I listened to him for hours. But I do believe in free will, and I don't believe in reincarnation here. And I don't think I ever will because, as I believe, you have a choice. The Yahweh gives, the Yahweh gives only Adamic, Israelite, man, a choice. And the choice is whether or not you will obey Yahweh's laws and whether or not you will do Yahweh's will. If you choose not to do it, you will die. That will be the end of you. That's why we have law. That's why we also have choice. Only, only Adamic man has a choice. Only Israelite man has a choice. How do you know you're an Israelite? Well, you're not a delusional card like Andre the Nigger here. I, I, I've had a few people. And the answer is, I don't know your bloodline. I don't know because, folks, you know, the Israelites, the you know, Adamic man has gone ever west, ever west. 
we went, but but then again, we also went back east, and we go west, and we go back east, and we go west here. The Israelite nation was essentially the nursery for Israelite man. You read Deuteronomy chapter 19, it says, hey, you go across against a white city. They give up while they're slaves for three generations. On the third generation, they're Israelites. If they don't give up, well, you kill all the men, and you, well, you have that pussy here. Sooner or later, they become Israelite as well. But as a result, as a result on the Jew side here, there are no white Ishmaelite Edomites anymore. <laughs> there were some. There were some by the time when Moses wrote wrote that Esauite could get back, you know, an you know, an Edomite could get back in the congregation. But that was only when there were Ishmaelite Edomites, about a third of the children of you know, of Esau. The Canaanites were of the spawn of Satan. They were to be destroyed. There was nothing to be left. They were, you didn't even need their cows or their lambs or anything alive at all. So Yahweh has, throughout history, I was talking about history tonight. I was talking about the Exodus to me is not a miracle. It is something that actually happened. I actually believe it happened. Jews don't. Jews like claiming that Israelites are Canaanites, or like Keith Southward, like a tart. Folks, I believe that what says in the Bible occurred. I believe, I take it literally. I'm not a Jew like think to pick and choose here. Pick and choose what I choose to believe, and then the rest of it's just deception. That's what Dewey Tucker got down on Russ for was not ignorance, not stupidity, although Russ has lots of ignorance and lots of stupidity. What annoyed Dewey was Russ. Russ Walker is the deception, the attempt of deception, even though it's retard deception. There have been two seed lines. Now, the Stilgen says what? 5,400 was creation, 5,500, something like that, about 14, 1,500 years. And the Masoretic text says 4,004, more or less, B.C., about 6,000 years you've had endemic man. So that's why I don't care what Eli James claims. And then it's 10,000 B.C., where Saber-toothed meerkats lived here with six-inch peckers here. No, I don't give a shit about that. This is just simply speculation by a Jew boy. He's trying to claim he knows something. He's just making shit up. History, per se, is only about 5,000 years old. And what they, you know, along with that, you'll be early Bronze Age. Before that, you have the Neolithic and Paleolithic, the Stone Ages, stretching back for at least with Cro-Magnon Man about 50,000 years, more or less, more like less, about 40, 50,000 years. Here's Rabbi Fink here. He's running around reading a stupid book here and claiming there were no people living before 1200 B.C. Well, they were. 
I don't see a problem with dating Stonehenge to around 3000 BC, more or less. Here's Sink yapping about how the Latin culture of what was called the Celts didn't exist. No, Sink, you're just making shit up here. The Greeks called these white people who were part of a culture, even though they did not have a, you know, have a, you know, they didn't have an alphabet. The alphabet came up around 1200 to 1000 BC. I've looked at my concordance and essentially the alphabet meant the aleph was the ox. Picture of an ox which got turned over on side, you know, put about 45 degrees, and that's the letter A. It's essentially a picture of an ox head. And the bet is, you know, Beth is the house here. That's why you have Bethlehem, the house of bread, or Bethel, the house of God. Bethel. That's where you get alphabet. The Aleph and the Beta. The ox in the house. Where they just simply took. Instead of having a symbol for every single word, they had a symbol for so many consonants, about 20 consonants, about four or five vowels. And then the Hebrew, not the Paleo-Hebrew, but the Hebrew, has a little dot or whatever on their consonant to show what you know, vowel is before or after the consonant. So history... It's really is less than five thousand. It's really less than five thousand years because, folks, when the writing started, it was a it was a receipt, and then probably around the time of Nimrod, they have your little epic of Gilgamesh, but they started writing down what had happened that they remember, just like with Homer. Homer. He lived around 800 or so B.C., wrote up what happened. Now, folks, you end up having the Mycenaean A and the Mycenaean B script. And one of the scripts has not been deciphered anymore than it wasn't until the 1980s or 1990s that the Mayan language was able to be deciphered because now they had an IBM computer and they could program it to crack the code. History is really less than 5,000 years old because history only exists for when you had an ability to write it down. And since the initial writings were just nothing other than temple or government tax receipts, it took a while before they said, well, we can use this writing for literature, for history, for a number of things. Folks, the Mesopotamians had god kings, just like the early Anglo-Saxons and the Danes and the Swedes and the Germans, they also had god kings. The king was of a particular family who was designed as the son of God, and if you end up having three families in a row, you had to send the son of God to talk to his father in the sky. That wasn't good. Your life depended if you were king upon whether or not there was a good, you know, good uh, harvest or not, and therefore you end up having screwing around the time of the spring, 
in order to have, you know, the king was screwing with the whore priestess in order to make sure there would be plenty of seed around. What I've been trying to say is that, yeah, I believe that there was indeed an exodus. I believe there was indeed a Passover. I believe it occurred, since there is no history of it in Egyptian language. The only time that could have taken place was either during the intermediate period or in the case of the Thebans conquering the Hyksos, to where they didn't want any any talk about what happened there in the Hyksos. For the Hyksos were the victims of a Hebrew-Israelite revolt, slave revolt. If Abraham lived around 2000 B.C., that's 430 years here. Essentially, that means that the the Exodus would have taken place around, what, 1570? 1570, that's about right. 430 years, you will be captivity. 430 years, the Israelites will come out of captivity. Abraham. So there was a couple hundred years under Isaac and Jacob and Israel when they were not slaves. But 430 years from now, the Israelites will come out. Your children will come out, and they will be quite a bit of them. Seventy of them went into Egypt, where that Joseph and his wife and his two children, seventy of them went to Egypt from Canaan. Two to three million went out, but there was a mixed multitude. And Yahweh killed that mixed multitude. And he killed our slave-born ancestors who were born slaves and who wanted to remain slaves. And that occurred. Somewhere between 1600 and 1525. 430 years from around 2000 BC, that would be about what, 1570? That's about right. Within what, 20, 30, 40 years? So it occurred. So Yahweh has been keeping both bloodlines, the good bloodline of Adam through Seth through to Noah, through to Shem, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel. Fourteen generations from, what, uh, fourteen generations from, uh the genealogy, fourteen from, uh, from Noah, or from Adam to Abraham, fourteen from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to Christ, Something like that. 14s, 14s, and 14s. Books? If you are not an Israelite, if you're a Mamzer or a Mongrel like Andre the Nigger, who cares? You're no part among us. Why should I be annoyed at old Andre the Nigger having a Filipino underage girlfriend? Why should I care? Why should anybody care? And in fact, that shows that, you know, you, you look at somebody as a nigger. Why are you following a fucking nigger and claim to be a white supremacist or a white nationalist or a white man? 
What are you doing following a nigger? If you're, if you're going to follow a nigger, maybe you ought to follow a successful nigger like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or whatever a successful nigger. Why, hell, everybody let me, oh, I'm a follower of Martin Luther King. I want to follow a nigger. Uh, I decided that I got tired of following Apri, the nigger, you know, angling here. He was not a good, successful nigger. He's just an unsuccessful nigger. I think he's turned faggot here. So, hey, why in the world are you following a nigger? Don't follow a nigger, follow a successful nigger. You know, get something out of it. You know, you know be, a, be a successful nigger target. What gets me? There's two seed lines. If you're a damn seed line, what are you following a Jew for? The Jew is only kept around so that Yahweh's purposes can be decided here. And yes, you survived. You survived the late Bronze Age collapse here when the Hittites were not killed, but their empire was destroyed by the Galatians, by, by a group of white Israelite sort of people. And then in 910 A.D., Stanislaus, who was the father of Vladimir, around 910, he was a member of the Rus, you know, these Swedes who, you know, these Swedes had gone east for money, you know, in Byzantium, set up trading, you know, forts, networks. So Stanislaus destroyed the Khazar Empire. Were the Jews, the Khazar Jews destroyed? No, they were the Hittites. From what, 1200 to from 1200, yeah, about 2,000 years, and then under King Bulam, they were made into actual Jews. They got back to their Jewish Jewishness. So from Hittites to Khazars, and now, now the Jews are over the white man. The Esau Edomite Jews here, they have slipped the bounds here. Now they are ruling us and they are destroying all life on this planet. They're to destroy our life. So what do you do with Uyghurs who are treasonous? Do you not let them die? In fact, if you have to, they need to die first here. Folks, we cannot build anything. We cannot build anything because when we do build something, it will be taken away from us and we will be destroyed. We must go through the fire, and the fire is a great tribulation. Yahweh is bringing things for ultimate fight between the good seed line and the bad seed line. We need to understand that. We need to deal with it. So anyway, uh, I think uh, I think that's about it here. And that's why I'm thinking about this on Passover. It's the first of the holidays. It's the first of the holidays, and it was known before Moses talked about Leviticus chapter 23 because the Israelites had lived through it. They'd lived through the first Passover, the passing over. So anyway, folks, I'm going to call that night. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, this is, Passover, uh, Passover night. The Passover will continue, and then we will get the days of unleavened bread. 
And folks, uh, maybe I'll eat some, you know, Triscuit. Don't eat no damn matzo balls. Don't eat anything that is given to you by a Jew because you don't know where that what that Jew has been through. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and call it a night. I'm going to go ahead and say, Hail Victory. And Yahweh bless. Good night. White men clad in black are and we'll stamp out frontier Hi-ya-ya-ho White men go Revo-ho On the city roof Let the red cock crow White men go Civil war-ho On the courthouse lawns Let red blood flow Adam Delvin this can Oh, who was then the ruling man? White Mingo, revoke ho on the city roof, let the red cock grow. White Mingo, civil war ho on the courthouse walls, let red blood flow. Oh, white men, their rifles shoot the Jews all in low. On struggling next week, some far food to stand foul God's bow. White men go, revoke ho, on the city roof, let the red cock crow. White men go, civil war ho. On the courthouse lawns, let red blood flow. Yeshima solely love is great. Hi-ya-ya-ho. The love of God our only need. Hi-ya-ya-ho. White men go, revo-ho. On the city roof, let the red cock crow. White men go, civil war ho. On the courthouse lawns, let red blood flow. We will conquer for our cause is right. Hi-ya-yo. Our sons won't have to go and fight. Hi-ya-ya-ho. White men go, revo-ho. On the city roof, let the red cock grow. White men go, civil war-ho. On the courthouse lawns, let red blood flow. Dual seed line.
is the belief that there are two bloodlines, one good, one evil, one good from Adam through the south, through the Noah, Shem, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel to today, those who are the Israelites, and an evil seed line from Satan through the Cain, through the Canaan, through the Esau. But, you know, other ones here, Tubal Canaanites and Jews, through to the Hittites, through to the Khazars, through to the Jews of today, both Ashkenazi.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.